You're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. What's happening? How are you? Come on in, grab a seat. There's, there's little room here in the studio today, so you'll have to sit on the floor. Uh, we have beers. I've got a few guests. And uh, you're listening to the sounds of Betamax. Yes, I will. Uh, good news. He is booked for the show as long as I don't bail like the piece of shit fucking host that I've been recently. I totally forgot about my uh, guest earlier today. I was supposed to do a podcast earlier today, and I bailed like a fucking asshole, and it's my bad. Um, but I'm going to make it up to everybody with our supersized Thursday episode. I am joined in the studio today by three, count them, three guests, uh, two returning guests. Uh, I think you guys are in competition for who's been on the show the most. I think, I think Lance has beat you out, Brett. All right, so I'll I'll be back next week then. <laughs> Mike, we're still on for Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll be here Monday. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, and we're also joined by uh, Nick as well. What's going on, buddy? Oh, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on the show, dude. I'm, I'm Finally here. Um, I don't know, dude. This is how ill-prepared I am. So full credit for today's episode goes to Brett, who had planned it all out. Yeah, I produced today's episode, and yet we're here, and we don't know what we're going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I literally was shooting inserts in this room about a half hour ago, and I'm like, ah, we'll just do, we'll just jump on mics. Who gives a fuck? The only thing I planned was bringing up, bringing beers over. (laughs) So I got that going. I mean, that's perfect. That's literally all you need. I got to sit up and grab one of those beers right now. Oh yeah, dude, they're really good. These Bavarian beers. What are these called? Oh, I couldn't even pronounce it if I wanted to. Weihnachtenstaffer. Look at that, dude. Oh yeah, it says premium Bavaricum. Wait, what? It does. (laughs) What thick? Oh, it is. It is Bavarian cum. Bavarian cum. You guys are drinking the classics. Uh, I brought over the brand new Monster Energy Drink alcoholic beverages. It's basically the Shadow the Hedgehog of boozy beverages. I'm loving it. (laughs) I also love the fact that you probably drink that because of all the new metal shows that you've been to. Oh, yeah. You've been like a forever sponsor of trash rock concerts. Oh, yeah. I... Every stop a whoop tour (laughs) and just follows us all the way here. There's a popular new metal Twitter account, and like a bunch of the stuff they post is just my requests. (laughs) (laughs) You're like one of the last in the boat. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta. You gotta post this classic Power Man 5000 track. <laughs> Nobody remembers this. <laughs> anybody? He's like, anybody, right? Do you agree? Nothing. Dead. Although, I do remember Power Man. That's Rob Zombie's brother. Yeah. They just toured together last summer. Dude, uh, well, here's the first topic. I was on the computer the other day just working, and Spotify had a little window that just showed up automatically. And Spotify was like, hey, I know you like Rob Zombie. How would you like first access to his tickets? And I was like, I wasn't thinking about it, but okay. And so they're like, tickets go on sale in like 15 minutes. Here's the access code. So I log in and I'm like, all right. And there's like this waiting area now in Ticketmaster. Because I used to sell tickets back in the day. Right. So there's this waiting area and you're sort of sitting in there and I'm like, okay, so no tickets going to be fucking available. Go in the room and there's an ass load of fucking tickets. And I was like, holy shit, there's like front row, there's off to the side. 
And so I'm just going, well, I'll buy like four tickets because I'll have some folks come. So I'm just like, bam, 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 bam. This already sounds sketchy. This sounds like a horny milfs are in your area now kind of thing. Like, I don't know if I believe this. <laughs> Let's Wait, just that's put, not true? <laughs> it was Rob Zombie and, uh, and Alice Cooper were in my neighborhood. And so I clicked on the ticket shit and I was like, fuck, I can get some tickets like immediately. And I looked at the fucking total. Mm. Oh, yeah. It was like three grand. Of course. Whoa. And I went, what no. What are you saying, Beyonce? No. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> although, although the tour is Rob, Alice Cooper, Ministry, and then uh, Filter. Ooh, wow. That's a package. That's a package. But uh, not three grand. <laughs> dude. Dude. And then you sort of go through, because they're playing in a stadium, right? So so if you're not getting decent seats and spending about $250, $300 on decent seats, you're in the fucking nosebleeds and you're still spending almost a hundred and change to watch a goddamn te- like fucking TV screen. In that yeah. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but I am on board. If she can divert her fans to go against Ticketmaster and split them apart. Yeah. I will purchase my first Taylor Swift album. If that happens, <laughs> you guys don't fuck. Is, is Ticketmaster bad for concerts? Is that the, oh is that yeah. Dude, the the prices are fucking insane. I mean, there's a bit, there's like, it's in the news right now. Like how bad the prices have gotten. It's like a gouging thing. Oh, in a big way. Yeah. What are they getting off the top of that? What is the like, good is dude? The I forget the because I used to sell those tickets, and this was back in the like like ninety ninety eight, mm. and it, back then they were making a solid percentage, like a solid percentage, and that was the big fight. Pearl Jam was fighting that fight. Pearl yeah. Jam was like, "Go fuck yourselves, Ticketmaster. We're going to do our tickets individually." But they're all part of the same company. It's like Ticketmaster, Live Nation. All those guys, they just that's brilliant. They were the like, "Yeah, company. use the other company." That's we understand. Yeah, it's still us. Well, dude, <laughs> they like so. Live Nation owns all the venues, uh, and then Live Nation now this band used to make money off their merch, and now Live Nation needs to take a percentage of all their merch. Oh, that's now. trash. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. We were we we just had the Callus Boys on our podcast. They're they're a really good uh, metalcore band. And they're like, yeah, it's basically impossible to make money. Like even small venues, it's like you don't, you're not making, you're you're losing. Like, what did they say? The venues take like f- over forty percent. What? Yeah, it was in at some twenty five, at least twenty twenty to of 40. a merch cut. Yeah, that's if insane. A, it's fucking robbery. I can't believe it's legal. Yeah, because yeah. I think Gojira people were just shitting on Gojira because Gojira. Uh, somebody posted a picture of like Gojira's merch uh, prices from their merch table and T-shirts were like fifty bucks, and everyone was like, "Fuck them." and the dr- uh, no, the guitarist from Dowboys was like, "This is the only way, yeah, you can, can make, make money. money." Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you, ah. you you don't have record sales anymore. Yeah, right. So you know the internet has now made it so that you know not paying for their art, not paying for music, not paying for yeah, like fucking plays. Like the most you make on plays is on a uh, Apple, like iTunes mm-hmm. or something, and it's yeah. still like point one cents per song play or something like that. It's it's insane. So th- most artists these days are either trying to become influencers, you know, mm-hmm. and make cash off of sponsorships and all that stuff, or you know, doing tours. Well, it, that was True. it's actually how uh, that's why Patreon exists. Is there was this band? Uh, my buddy Dom actually shoots music videos for them. This band Pomplamoose. They went on a tour, and I think <laughs> like the Lacroix. Uh, yeah, I know. I think I think I so. That's a fruit. <laughs> I think it's a fruit. Right? <laughs> Pomplamoose. I love. I love that that's Lance's references of fruits. Is it a LaCroix like, flavor? LaCroix? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I didn't know what the fuck a pomplamoose was. Wait so I saw LaCroix I and I was like, what, what is this? 
peaches. <laughs> you know, it's so blown. It's like, what the fuck is a pomplamoose? It's a fruit. Where the fuck did you get a pomplamoose from? The pomplamoose bush? <laughs> That's not yeah, I don't. Fruit. I truly don't know That's what the real. fuck it is other than like, I thought, I literally, I think I thought it was like the band first, but I don't know. But they like, they went on a, I remember like this blog post went around. They went on a tour and like barely broke even. And they were like fairly pop, not my cup of tea, but they were fairly popular. And that is why the, I don't know what he, one of the founding members started Patreon based on that experience of like just support mm. artists direct but now patreon you know it has its own problems it takes sure. a huge cut but, sure but it, yeah. it's it's a problem like it's hard to make money as i don't know as as, as a creative person i mean it's it's That's always fair. been this way in the music industry since the beginning of time as far as like as soon as there was some guy like walking into a club going i can make you a lot of money mm. and he put he leverages himself between you and all the places that are going to pay you <laughs> that's that's the music industry i mean uh, we were just talking offline that that you were in the Whitney movie, which yes. is all about that. Yes. Were you? Who were you in the Whitney movie? I played Bobby Jerry Brown. Griffith. Oh, okay. Guy, just you have no idea who that is the. I have no idea. That's but no, I didn't know it either. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Lance. That fucking mic stands being a cock. We just t- 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 tighten it up hard. <laughs> There you go. It's it's being a cock that's uh, not as go. excited as what you're saying. <laughs> I, I am I'm not one to rise now. the yeast. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Um, yeah, I played Jerry Griffith, the guy who mm-hmm. discovers Whitney Houston, introduces her to Clive Davis. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was that movie directed by um, Cassie Lemons? Yes, it was. Yes, I love her movie. What was it like? I'm sorry, I hate to turn this into no, an interview. No, no, no. What, what does she like to work on? Like I, Eve's Bayou is like one of my favorite uh, movies of the late '90s. Oh, she was wonderful, man. Like it was cool because like the the first day I got there, like she they told her like I was on set and she like came right over and was like oh, I couldn't wait for you to get here. I was like, really? What the fuck? Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> like, what do you say you at that point? I'm like, and the whole time I'm sitting there like, oh my god, you are so cool and hard target. Ah, uh, when I was like nine, I had the biggest crush. <laughs> Lance, I wanted to cut like- my hair just like Jean Claude Van Damme, thinking we would meet one day. Now it's happening. I didn't cut my hair. <laughs> Lance goes from running to strutting instantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. that's really fucking cool. You had Thanks, a blast man. on that. You That was yeah. the one where you worked with Tucci. Yes. Yes, it is. Sam the man. He was fucking great, man. Like, I think it's like, you, we, we already get like the tabloids where we hear a bunch of shit about like artists that we like, whether it's musicians or film people. So when you get to meet any of those folks that you enjoy their work, and then they're nice people. They're actually like, they're, they're fun to talk to. They're engaging. They're interested. You know, like, it just feels like, ah, word, yeah, man. Like, it's another little notch in the butt of, like, man, today was a good day. This is why I love this, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. Now we all just got to go out and not be assholes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, right? <laughs> like, that guy, Mike Pesci, was a piece of shit on set. <laughs> Lance, you mean the prima donna? <laughs> yeah. Now, apparently, I'm pretentious, so it'll be... <laughs> pretentious genius, though. <laughs> that Mike Pesci won't respond to my DMs. <laughs> Fucking cock. Bro. Bro, where's my DMs? I don't like movie, bro. <laughs> bro, where is it? Not good. Not good. You know, we still have had, uh, and a big shout out to everybody that is listening that is still pissed at me that I haven't made it through the DMs. I finally started to get down into December. So I'm, oh, I'm God getting damn. I'm getting deep. Uh, so they are they are coming. Fans that want to watch 12KM, just uh, DM me for five bucks. (laughs) (laughs) At Ticketmaster. Yeah. (laughs) There's convenience fees. I'm just going Ticketmaster. My DM inbox is much less full than Mike's. 
<laughs> Be a quicker response. I hope you get DMs at the end of this. Show me twelve kilometers. I don't know. I don't understand this. What you is not this? Mike Pesci. I need give me link. Give me that's all like a pro link. <laughs> it's like two words, and then they're like, "I'm like, what about the three favorite horror movies? What about any of the bro link?" <laughs> okay. It. Give it, art boy. Give it uh, <laughs> the worst piece of shit I have ever I seen. I just love that people are so, <laughs> the so <worst>. excited <laughs> and this, on your ass to get it just to shit on it after they watch it. I had this one guy last week who's like, I don't want to, what did he, what did he started it out with? He said, uh, he goes, uh, I don't mean to be rude, but, and then he went through the process of being like, your movie is shit. Your parents shouldn't have given birth to you. Like, God it's like, damn. Like this long fucking what thing. Well, well at least he wasn't being rude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my response was, my favorite is when people go, uh, I don't mean to be rude, but. That's, I mean, that's a great thing to read on Twitter. Like, I'm not racist, but. Yeah. <laughs> like anything after but, you're like, you're about to defend the yeah. thing you just said. This is going to rock whatever I'm about to read. Absolutely. <laughs> Lance is a great guy, but. Yeah. But. But. Oh, you guys have been talking to my exes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie is still going strong. And uh, big shout outs to everybody. And the t-shirts went out. Did you order a t-shirt? Did you get a t-shirt? I have one of the OGs. Okay. Yeah. I've got you, a couple. You reprinted them with something new on them. But yeah, I've, I've, got got a couple, I've got a couple new ones coming in. I've got a this, couple. Is, you have this short sleeve now, right? Yes, this one is short That's sleeve. And then I've got uh, the new 12 cam. We did silver print. Mm. And then I actually put the coordinates of the actual place on the sleeve. Why don't you do the uh, 12 cam storyboard shirt? I mean, I'm putting it out there. I mean, that's in the podcast. Sure, I'll just add that to the fucking collection of shit. You're welcome. I literally took a shower when Brett came in and I had one sock on. He goes, Are you only wearing one sock? It's because I was still in the outfit that I wrote. jerked off into the other one. Yeah. It's efficiency. He's like, I don't think I wear those, you know. After they dry, it's like, it's in my shoe. Why would I wear the other sock? More grip, right? Why would, I, why would I wear the other sock? It's sticky inside. Like, ah. <laughs> well, if you let it dry, then it's... That's what I mean. It's like, it has a nice know. crunch. It's starched. Ah, yeah, it's yeah. starched. Ooh, a little point. texture. You can hear them coming. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so, uh, what's up, Nick? How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm just happy to be hanging out with people. Yeah, so Nick and Brett do a show. You guys do a podcast. Yeah, right? we do. A, it's coming to a close, but we did. We've done it for what about like a year and a half now, almost two years. Yeah, comedy podcast called Doom Scroll with our buddies uh, Isaac oh, and Daniel. What? It's a good title. Oh, thank you. I I, I was proud of it. Um, <laughs> why? Can I ask the question? Why is it coming to a close? Yeah, I'm. We're not getting along. No, actually, <laughs> Ooh, you know what's like funny? Thing? It's no, it's not. It's uh, in it's weirdly with this podcast. Like I think I I think I have never gotten along so well with like everybody who I'm making the mm-hmm. show with. It's it's actually a very nice ending. Um, but I'm I'm moving to Chicago. I I'm, I'm leaving Chi-Town. Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh no shit. Yeah. Why are you moving back to Chicago? Uh, well, uh, no, I'm not moving back there. I'm just moving to there. Uh, my girlfriend lives there. Um, okay. And I don't. I think I just want a change of scenery from Los Angeles. Makes sense. Yeah, and then the the plan is eventually to like get to New York, but we're we're trying to do a year in Chicago just to. That's, Chicago's the shit. I love Chicago. I, I I go there like I spend, 
I because my girlfriend lives there, I go there pretty much like every other month, and I have completely fallen in love with the city. What, what part of Chicago is she in? So she right now she's like right outside of like Ravenswood, if you know that area. Yeah, um, yeah. We're trying. That sounds so cool. Ravenswood. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it sounds like you're gonna find an ancient axe there. (laughs) Yeah, mystical Chicago palace. You got to pull a sword out of a piece of deep dish pizza. You can use the same Kanye West. (laughs) The handle's made of uh, Polish sausage. (laughs) 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 Buried in a deep dish pizza. (laughs) Uh, We're sure we're we're trying. We're really hoping we get this place in Wicker Park though, because that's like we love that area. Wicker Park's the shit. It's like the Brooklyn. uh, It is, dude. There's that. I I think it's Milwaukee Avenue, but there's that. There's just this. It's a, it's like a run through Wicker Park where it's just like the coolest shit, just like record store, movie theater, like used bookstore. It's just like such a sick little strip. Mm. We did a bar safari in Chicago, and then we ended up. We I think it was in Wicker Park. No, I was in like one of the other boroughs. We ended up wandering into this like really local local bar that was run by this Korean woman, and it was fucking awesome. Like the, mm. the, there's some. I've done two bar safaris in uh, Chicago. And there's some fucking great places to drink there. It's, I would almost go back to, the, I, it's not really the East Coast. I'd I'd go to Chicago over going back to Boston these days. My mom's like, Ooh. oh fuck yourself, but yeah, that was pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. All the Boston subscribers are sending angry DMs. Yeah, well, you it, guys represent. I, I haven't <laughs> I haven't heard from you guys in a while. I do think of it's funny. I do think of it as the East Coast when I'm there because you can even trick yourself into thinking like you're on the fucking ocean. Exactly, like, the lake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then it's funny. You oh, drive out like sometimes we'll be with her. We'll go on little road trips, and then like the minute you get out of the city, you're like, oh no, we're in the fucking Midwest. Like yeah. this is like properly <laughs> yeah. the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> how do you how can you tell me get out there? There's just like lots of like very rural outside the city. Yeah, flat rural. Um, you know, you can get to like it's like all the places around it. It's like Wisconsin, Michigan, mm. like just you Madison. Know, yeah. Yeah, Madison's great. I've been to Wisconsin. We we ended up it's flying cheese. Uh, yes, <laughs> we ended up flying in there to do a job. I think we were shooting for like a police academy or something, which is a whole other story. But we flew in. Tony and I flew in uh, two cities away or two towns away, and so we had to drive through like God country. So it was just like Jesus saves, Jesus saves. <laughs> and I was like, "Where the fuck are we going?" And then we showed up to this little like oasis in the middle of it that was madison and it was like a college town fucking amazing steaks like amazing food great beers lots of uh uh, shuffleboard a lot of shuffleboard games i never saw that coming shuffleboard i feel like that's a west or a midwest kind of game that makes sense yeah i thought the thing was like shoes yeah i was gonna say you would know that like the regional games like shuffleboard is midwest um oh fuck i'm blanking on the name cornhole uh-huh. Cornhole firmly belongs to like Maryland, Delaware. For G- I'm gonna be honest, like in Delaware, I never came across cornhole. I you never came, came across, across cornhole, cornhole until living in the Northeast. Really? Yeah, our thing was horseshoes. Oh, I mean, of yeah. course, horseshoes. Yeah, which is not a lot of horses, so I don't know who the fuck did that. But <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like it should be cow shoes or something. I don't know. But I think, if I'm being honest, like you have to get past cow tipping and then you get to like oh, horseshoes. <laughs> Such a something a bit less dangerous. Such a fucking dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> fucking cow shoes. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be nice. Well, well good luck, good. brother. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, you can. Are you still gonna pursue this business? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the nice thing is, like, it's it's so. I I wrote a feature that is we're currently trying to get somebody to buy. 
Um, and I, the funny thing is we wrote it in the pandemic, me and my writing partner. So it was all over Zoom. Yeah. We were in the same city, but it was over Zoom. So we're working on another one. And I'm like, you think we can just do this over Zoom like we did the last one? He's like, yeah, I think we probably yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but aside from that, I'm also trying to do like more... I am still trying to pursue the business. I'm trying to do more acting. I, do, I, I hopefully want to do some acting, like take regular trips out to New York because I have friends who are doing production stuff out there and they need actors and nice comedy, same stuff. want to try to do more stand-up in Chicago, all that stuff. Yeah, stand-up is good. Yeah. It is. Chicago. Stand-up in Chicago. Chicago's like a decent city for uh doing entertainment stuff well Especially that's like improv yeah that's the yeah. home of that right second city and all yeah. that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there's yeah. also there was also like an interesting like, there there are a couple like good filmmakers and actors who have come out of chicago who uh i mean obviously like, the big one is like john hughes but there's a lot mm, that have come out yeah. of chicago dude a lot of actors come out of there and i will say when gene and i were driving here from the uh from the east coast when we were moving out here we stopped in chicago and, and sat I forget what part of town. I don't know if it's Wicker Park. We sat in this little bakery that's like under a fucking um, uh, fucking sub. Uh, what, what's the term? A train, like a train overpass. Yeah. yeah. And we're sitting in this front window and we're just chomping on food. And the most attractive people. <laughs> yeah. Like Chicago has the city. hottest, the hottest people. I didn't see that coming at all. Dude. You, you, you wouldn't expect it, but it's kind of true. It's it's right. all of like, dude, it's all of like the girl next door. Everything that you see on like on uh, major network sitcoms, it's all oh, those shit. people, dude. And you just sit there and you go, okay. John Hughes nailed it. Well, dude, because look how many actors <laughs> and actresses come out of Chicago. A lot of them yeah. do. And a lot of the, I think John Cusack still lives there, I want to say. Does he? Like, yeah, I think he's still like his home base is Chicago. Right on. Yeah, it's a cool fucking city. Yeah. It's a cool fucking city, man. Like, if there was more industry there, I got to be out here in the Dust Bowl. But if there was yeah. more industry there, <laughs> I'd I would be eating steaks under the train tracks. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have a heart attack like there Mike, with the rest Let's of get them. you inside, bud. Yeah. It's getting cold. <laughs> Sun's getting real low, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. They just produce a sausage. Yeah. Get real low. <laughs> Saucers hanging off of a string from a stick. Keep them coming this way, away from traffic. It's very true. It's very true. <laughs> um, I got to be honest, this is not bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving this, the monster beast. Although I sort of feel like I'm tripping a little bit. I'm sinking into the couch. And I don't want to use the cliche, my soul is leaving my body. So I'll just say my brain is getting sucked out of my skull. Because I'm, <laughs> so like, I'm just like twitching. But I'm. I can't speak as good. <laughs> is it like? I mean, is it like a four loco in the sense that you're getting the, the caffeine and the taurine? I think and so. The, like, how did they skate that legal ruling? That uh, they probably. Four I'm glad we're having this conversation now that I'm about halfway through the first game. This would be yeah. good to have beforehand. <laughs> Start vibrating. I'm gonna have two more for the record. <laughs> I mean, I think I feel like if you have two more, you're going to turn into a human monster truck. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Put me in the next. Uh, also, Peace why the Wars. fuck do they call this monster beast? I mean, monster energy drink. What's beast. next? Is the coffee going to be monster creature? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the water be monster that was thing. Just, you know, was that a joke? Or is that just good. the logical conclusion? No, 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 I felt no, no. like I was trying to figure it out for real. <laughs> that goes right next to cow shoes in terms of just <laughs> nailed it. I feel way better about it now. That was solid. <laughs> Nick gets it. <laughs> the monster cow shoes. <laughs> That's the name no. of the, That's the name of this episode. By the is way, is that what I'll drink monster tomorrow morning? Waking yeah. up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no monster with milk in it. Yeah. Cool. That's what you oh. shit out after drinking three of these. 
<laughs> milk. whole cow shoe. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, milk. Ew, I, don't, I feel like that's worse, actually. <laughs> You're like, when did I have milk? I, I need a milk. warm, caffeinated milk. That's what I need. Uh, <laughs> Why do my shits look like the blood from the androids and alien? Ew. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. Uh, this is a gross episode, so uh, strap in. Okay. Didn't you make a, a, a short back in the day that was like an alien thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the the guy dies and you see some of the blood. You have an android thing. <laughs> so we did a forty eight hour we did a forty eight hour film project. Uh. And for those of you who haven't done it, a lot of filmmakers have. This used to be a thing that would travel around from city and city, and they do a competition. It's still a thing. Is it still? Yeah. And oh so, yeah, my friends used to do it in Maryland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the 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 idea is that you have to make a movie from full concept to completion in forty eight hours. And so what you can do is you can prep, you can put together your crew, your team, but you're going to pick like a prop, a theme, or a, and like a line of dialogue out of a hat. So you have absolutely no mm -hmm. idea what you have. And then you're going to run with it. And so we did one. I think we won. A, we didn't win best picture, but we won a, won a couple of things. We did one where I forget the fight. Don't ask me what the, the props and shit were. But I ended up going, well, let's do, oh, it was like a thong was a prop. And so I'm like, well, I want to do a sci-fi. And I was obsessed with Steven Sodenberg at the time. So I was doing like handheld weird kind of shit. And I was like, cool. What if we follow these two strippers, male strippers, as they go on a job? And uh, turns out that uh, one of the strippers, one of the strippers like slips on the table on a glass table or something like that. And, mm and actually cuts himself <laughs> and when he cuts himself he bleeds white as if he's an android and now he's been discovered so he locks the door and murders everybody in the room was the idea but what i did what i didn't think about was that when he slips he looks at his hand and it looks like he just ejaculated on his hand yeah <laughs> that was my first thought when you told me white blood that's so good <laughs> But it's a pretty, oh, it's, so great. it's a pretty good, it's a pretty fun little uh, short. We we won a couple of things. We had a good time. We had good people on that. You ever thought about re-releasing uh, re your stuff from back in the day? Yeah, sure. No, mm -hmm. do you think these androids would get freaked out when they see actual cum shoot out of a penis? <laughs> <laughs> He's bleeding. <laughs> yes, his servo's broken. <laughs> He's one of us. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I haven't talked about that in a while. Yeah, that was a long time ago. 48-hour film project. They're pretty cool, man. They're a cool way to get in the game. and Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to like just get some experience in. Yeah. It's yeah. a great test drive, too. Yeah. Low stakes. And then you build your crew. If you're smart, if you're going to do one, those of you listening, build your crew ahead of time and then, you know, have a general idea of what it is that you want to do. This is the this is the hack. Have a general idea of what mm. it is that you want to do. Look for like a... We had a composer, I think, that we were working with, and he was able to write us stuff pretty wow. quick. But if not, go to like a stock website and have all that music on it, like have it all yeah. ready to rock. Yeah. Because it's super fucking fast. And we ended up doing a lot of improv through ours because we didn't have enough time to yeah. really write and craft a, a whole script. That's always what ours like. They they wrote it the night before, but like the team we had, they just they were like really adamant about the rules. Like we're not going to think about anything. We've got our team, and we're going to start once we get the prompts. Like, this seems like a bad idea. Maybe just start thinking about some ideas, like <laughs> yeah. maybe some yeah. things you'd like to do. Yeah. Uh, so they spent like the first night just overnight writing, and then we just jumped right in in the morning and shot it. And How was ended. it? It was great. It was quick. Um, but I think 
looking back on it, I, I think it would have been better to, like, if they had had some kind of idea prior to, like, okay, if this is our genre, what's the kind of stuff we could tell in here? Yeah. Because, like you said, you get the prop and you get the line, but, like, yeah. I, you could do anything with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, I think you get your genre there, too, right? Yeah, it was like a genre. Yeah. yeah. Um, what kind of genre it was. Yeah, because we pulled sci-fi and we were fucking pumped. Yeah, I, was, I think we, the one we have was, like, a crime thriller or some shit. Maybe like a kidnapping thing. Actually, yeah. it was funny. The guy that uh, I was playing this this uh, dirty cop who kidnapped somebody's kid, and I'm meeting this other guy who I forget what his character is now, but he's the one who like is trying to get the girl for some reason. It's not her. It's not his kid. Uh, and it's just I'm talking to this actor, and it's like this older gentleman, real nice guy, super sweet. Uh, and he just like keeps talking about being on Law and Order, Law and Order, Law and Order. I'm like, wow, my God, this guy must have been on a lot of Law and Order. <laughs> and then it wasn't. He like did some like background on Law and Order. And I was like, oh, okay. It's always but, those like, guys, man. <laughs> the scene that we're doing is like, uh, I show up to talk my shit. It goes bad. I get tied up. Whatever they do, the all fake blood and all the shit. Which is a lot of fun to go across the street to Dunkin' Donuts on lunch. Uh, but we're going to shoot the stuff where he's like supposed to be beating me up a little bit. <laughs> and <laughs> one take, he does it, and he like swings and like hooks me right in the bridge of the nose. It's like, pow. I was like, motherfucker. I was like, oh, are you okay? I think I got you. I'm like, no shit, you got me. You didn't feel my fucking nose on your hand? Punch me in the fucking face. And that's the take cameras out of focus. Yeah. Ah, uh, we didn't get it. Sorry, guys. Oh, Lance, we were on Go your again. hands. We weren't on your face. Ooh, oops. Yeah. Sorry, right. lens caps on. Yeah, that was a long lens Booms shot. in I don't shot. Know why you guys were swinging at each other. Yeah. Yeah. It sucked right in the nose. Well, Nick, how long have you been making movies? Like, like how long have you been uh, doing stuff? I mean, like, actual. Uh, like, this would be the first one, this feature yep. that I wrote. This is, like, the first real one. But I've been, you know, messing around, like, making, uh, like, YouTube videos and stuff like that since I was, like, well, I probably got serious about it around the time I was, like, like tw- not serious, but, like, around the time I was 21 is when I did things that, like, actually were put out. And yeah. like that I that I'm I think are funny and I'm still proud of. Nice, dude. Um but yeah, it's like I didn't realize it's funny, I kinda realized it gradually. I think I wanted to be like more of an actor and a performer, which I still enjoy doing. I love doing stand up, but uh writing and then like watching my friends direct has definitely like given me the bug to to do like the directing. The, the more like top down creative stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the whole business, I don't know why we all decided to be in this fucking business. It's it's the most excruciating, long running polarizing you know very rewarding but rewarding is like in the very little yeah. moments most of the time you're just like can you please kick me in the balls again like this would be really <laughs> yeah. great if you can continue that's to a good me. question though like what what is the do you guys know the moment where it, it stuck for you <clears throat> like the moment when i i mean i always like i definitely start i was acting in like plays in middle school mm-hmm. and like definitely knew that i liked performing and then stand-up started when i was like 18 i don't know i don't i think that i always kind of like had the idea from the time i was basically like well you started stand-up when you were 18 yeah that yeah balls, i started soon yeah yeah i mean i wish I, again it's one of those things where it's like all these things like kind of like petered out like i should have been way more serious about all of it um yeah but that's Shoulda, coulda, woulda, brother. I know. Well, of course. Yeah, I didn't. Is the point. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that rung off really well, by the way. That was, that was nicely executed. <laughs> Shoulda, coulda, woulda, brother. <laughs> but, you know, you you can't be looking at it that way, dude. Like, you got to look at, you know, you, maybe you needed more life experience. Maybe you needed more shit. I, no, I think I did. I, that's the other thing I was going to say is I think I did. I think that I don't think that, like, life got in the way in a very real way. Um, I'll put it like that. And now, 
what's funny is like coming up on 30 i feel i was kind of like dreading turning 30 and now like as i'm getting closer to it i'm like Oh, no, I'm actually starting to feel kind of like creatively rejuvenated and like ready to dive back in. So was 30 like a... a big... Well, not yet. In, in July, I'll be 30, but like... So have you been sweating it? Yeah, I think from like the time... I've been, I feel like I've been 30 since I was 28. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like... Uh, what are you sweating? What are you worried about? Uh, I mean, it's just, it's all the stuff. Could the, the comparing yourself to like where other people are yeah. who are doing the same thing as you. Also just like noticing that you're aging. It's like, that's not good. That's yeah. scary stuff. That's a fact. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, just I, all the I mean, the stuff that people have probably been sweating about aging, you know, since. Well, let me try, let me try aging. to ease it for you, man. Oh, I'm, please, I'm, I'm 45 this year. Okay, <clears throat> so <clears throat> Ridley Scott didn't direct his first feature until he was 40. Wait, really? 100. percent He directed The Duelists when he was 40. 40. Holy shit! So it wasn't until he was 40 that he directed his first. Now he had done hundreds and thousands of commercials prior to that, right? But he hadn't directed his first feature until he was 40. So who gives a fuck? Right. Right. True. And if you're counting COVID, count take two years off of whatever right. your count is. Right? I know, but yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I, it take, is true. Take two years off of whatever your count is, right? And then if you're talking about getting older, uh, how do I delicately say this? <laughs> We're all men here. So like, like it's easy for us to get old. Sure. Like yeah. you can age, yeah. you can have wrinkles. I mean, you can be still a sex symbol and... And <laughs> that's what li- I want. Also. Literally, <laughs> literally put your walker down and put on the fedora and then have a stunt guy whip his way across the screen. That feels very specific. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of picturing a movie. <laughs> but my point is, is that you don't really have to worry about that stuff. And, and take it. I understand completely because my big trigger is time. Time is always my trigger. It's why I get pissed off. Mm. I'm always fighting against time. I always feel like time is a big issue. But uh, the only thing that, that relaxes me is that, uh, you know, we can be 80-something years old on set. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, I was thinking about this today when I was riding the bike, you think about what we as a species romanticize, which is typically youth. Mm-hmm. So, like, anything that we write about is aimed towards youth. So, it's like the teenage years. So, like, 1 to 19. And we glorify those 19 years I mean, I've had those four times, and I'm going to have more 19 years and more 19 years. And the amount of growth that you do in 19 years or 20 years is massive. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I don't think, I, I think it's destructive to think that way. Well, no, no. I, the funny thing is, I, I, I definitely like, as, as I said, like, that's how I felt. I think when I turned 28, as I, as I come up to it, I like the, I was expecting it to get worse, and it's kind of dissipating. I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I'm going to be 30. And that it, that's starting to feel more like a new chapter than a, than a brick wall. Dude, 100%. And I've said this multiple times in the show, and I will continue to say it. The 30s are great because the 20s are the teens. Right. The 20s are the modern day teens. You're still a kid. You're still trying to... I'm sorry if I'm offending you. <laughs> You're still trying to figure your shit out. You're running around going, I'm going to fuck with this. I'm going to fuck with that. I'm not going to do anything. And then you cross into your 30s and you're like, all right, I think I know who I am. I'm going to focus on this. People start to respect you for focus. Yeah. And you then you start to refine your skill. You start to refine your craft through your 30s. And then you hit your 40s and suddenly you're a legend. Suddenly everybody that's underneath you is like, how have you done this? 
what's going on and when you walk into a room and you've got salt and pepper in your beard people are like this motherfucker knows what he's doing he's seen some things yeah <laughs> so like the i love the dude i'm halfway through the 40s and i love them man i think they're fucking great yeah, you're wearing you're wearing them well Thanks, i mean i come man. over i'm like damn dude mike's got it mike's got a fucking nice you, you nice seem like you're having pepper. a nice one a little salt, <laughs> salt and <laughs> <laughs> got that little salt and pep pep uh, comedian Dana Gould said when he was in his 30s he went around and apologized to everybody that he met during his 20s <laughs> I feel I do I feel that in a big yeah, way that's yeah. the other thing is like the nice thing yes. about like like when I look at like the person that I was when I was like 22 I was like how the fuck did I was like I should have been like mm-hmm. put away so, like I was just crazy like my, the way that I was going around the world was crazy it was insane people are insane until they're like 26 I think yes yeah, you know, my mentor used to say this thing where he was like, um, "Every ten years, you just realize how full of shit you were the previous ten. Yes. So you hit twenty, you go, "I don't know what the fuck I was talking about." You hit thirty, you do the same thing. Forty, same thing. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. You know, and in a way, it's a bit of a pessimistic point of view, but in a way, it's nice to think that, like, when you hit that next milestone, you're like, all that other shit will suddenly make sense once I get there. Yeah. Just got to get there. And and I think it's kind of the the. I think what is comforting to me is just like, well, if I had had the opportunities that I thought I wanted when I was 23, it, I definitely I wasn't ready. Yeah, you know dude, I mean? 100%. 100%. I can't wait to look back and be like, what a child I was when I was 36 with a much smaller bald spot than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, bro. <laughs> I've seen your hairline. <laughs> walking away you seen it where, where, while, where did you see it where did you see it <laughs> I was gonna post pictures of my hairline putting like 20 putting out an APB on all of our hairlines yeah. right now staple it to telephone poles have you seen me please call yeah but just just go with it man shave your head eventually yeah. who gives a fuck yeah. it's inevitable yeah You'll look like uh, you'll you'll look like you belong at the new metal shows at that point. I've been told I could pull off a Phil Anselmo, which is both good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> See, at least you can go to cool, tough shit like a metal show. If I shave bald, I have to go to like slam poetry nights and pretend I'm common. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just not going to be as fun. <laughs> you got to put on smarter glasses when you're yeah, bald. smarter yeah. glasses. Yeah. Like, man, this guy codes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After I shave my head, I'm going to feel more anxious about drinking a beverage called White Haze. <laughs> I mean, you should feel bad about that now. Yeah. <laughs> it is an alcoholic uh, monster energy. I was going to say, they know their demographic well. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, like, I get it, and I understand it. You know, I totally... Like, I had crises when I was hit that point, but the... The great thing, and I, a lot of people don't talk about it because everybody celebrates youth. Mm-hmm. Getting old is fucking great, and there's a there's a sense of like understanding, and you sort of like go through the process of being like, look, I know what I like and what I don't like, and and that in itself is awesome. Yeah, to mm-hmm. be able to sit there and go like, look, it's a Tuesday night. I'm not going to go sleep on my best friend's couch. I've done that a hundred fucking times. Yeah. I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then, what you do is you start curating your life a bit more. And and honestly, you start curating the people that are in your life a bit more, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. Because then you start to realize how human beings work, and you start to understand that sometimes you're surrounded by people that take and take and take, and they don't give. Um, and so, with age comes all that stuff, you know. And you you end up being a better lover when you're when you're older. You end up being a better relationship person when you're older because you've been through all that stuff. It's awesome, dude. You got good shit to look forward. Well, to. I'm looking forward to it, man. Ooh, okay, so the question is, what is it you're looking forward to? 
Everything, whatever Mike just said. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. You become a better lover. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 to to true to the to Mike's one of the points that Mike made it, the the confidence that I feel as I get older of just like I know. Yep. I know what I like. You know, you're you're less of a, you become more uh, not set in your ways in a negative way. No, but you but you but you suffer less fools. I guess I'll put it like like I like I I used to. I think I would just like I, I put myself in so many situations where I was like, well, let's see how maybe I like this. Let's see how this goes. Maybe it would be good for me to do this. And now I think I'd be much. I've got my bearings about me to say no. I probably shouldn't do. I I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, there's a lot of that, dude. And then recently, I won't name names, but Gene and I went out to this event recently. You'd have started a Patreon so you can name names. I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> take it from us—a doom scroll, <laughs> which, oh, which yeah. is ending. <laughs> yeah, hey, we still got a couple hot episodes loaded up. Oh yeah. But we went out to this thing the other night, and it was uh, uh, two actresses and a director and some other folks, and. Uh, with present company accepted, Lance is one of the few actors that I can hang out with as a friend. Oh, dude, you know the <laughs> so vibe. true. You know the vibe, I'm right? To be a yeah. normal person around Mike. Yeah, because whenever you're a director around actors, they always feel like they're they're auditioning for something, and that yeah. it just becomes. It doesn't. Oh, change I was. If you're not a director, I was thinking something even meaner. Oh, which ooh, is that? Ooh, let's hear it. Come on. <laughs> which is that? Generally, actors just kind of freak me out. Something's oh, not really? right. I'll, I don't mean I'll second that. not you. You you're, you're, no. I take <laughs> no offense. I take no offense. I'm signing off on it. <laughs> you, come, you have to. Know, I have right? definitely they're, been some people I've made uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Their actors are they're 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 certainly a different breed. I thought, yeah. but you're saying as a director, which I totally understand. I was just making a mean generalization. Yeah, but I mean the generalization is wrong. I mean, look, to be an actor mm. is I have the utmost respect for because at the end of the day, I can hide behind my work. Mm. Right. I can hide behind anything. As, as an actor, I can get judged. I can have, bro, your movie sucks so much. <laughs> yeah. It isn't, bro, your face is so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, like you can't hide. Mm -hmm. And so, as brutal as the business is for the both of us, yeah. it's twice as hard for you because it's physical appearance. Mm -hmm. And so, that sort of insecurity and that craziness comes from just years and years of abuse just like mental abuse i'm sure you know that that makes sense actually and when i say mental abuse i don't mean like harvey weinstein shit i mean just going in for casting sessions mm -hmm. i mean lining up in the cattle call looking out there at all, at all the other actors that you're lined up with going mm -hmm. is my nose too big there's nothing weirder than walking into a hallway and seeing 30 people that look just like, like you. you yeah oh, man you. whoa I feel like I'm like one of 30 randomized creative characters. Yeah, yeah. They're going to pick one of us. So what it does is it it creates like, it's almost like a like an abused puppy. Like a scared kind of, like a scared person that is yeah. like worried about like whether or not they're getting the right attention and whether or not they're in this place. Yeah. And so when you're hanging out with those folks, you just feel that. It's like a vibrating thing that they do. Yeah. Do you agree with me, Lance? The only thing you can do is hope that you've had enough trauma before that that you're like, oh, this isn't shit. Please. Please. Rejection? Try a smack in the face. <laughs> so, so, so generally, when I'm hanging out with most actors, that's mm. what you're feeling is what you were discussing. Yeah. yeah. But then also, like, when they hear... It's, there's this weird dynamic that happens whenever I go out, especially out here. And I try to keep my mouth shut. 
Like what comes with age is confidence. And you just sit there and go, I don't need to be the guy that talks the loudest in the room. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be constantly chatting. I can just sit here and observe and look around and see what's happening. And what the byproduct, especially in a modern, modern world right now, if you exude too much confidence, then people are threatened by confidence, which we've talked about off air. Mm-hmm. So like if you start to exude it, people start to get threatened. Like, well, who's this asshole? Why is he not talking? Why is he not doing stuff and all that kind of shit? Mm. But um, what you find when you're quiet and when you get older is you start to see how hard we tried when we were younger, how hard you had to speak mm. out loud, how you felt like you had to prove yourself, how you had to have... Uh, uh, an opinion on fucking everything. Yeah. You know, and and so you just sort of, oh, I was with this younger director who was just like, he wouldn't stop talking about everything. And there hit a point where I'm a dick. There hit a point where I was like, are you fucking done? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like are we going to continue going on and on? But, and we, we became buds at the end of it, but it was just like, with experience, and I want to teach this to everybody that listens to this, Find your confidence, and it, it, and I think the confidence that you can rely on is experience. And sit there and go like, I've been here before. Mm-hmm. I understand kind of how this is going to work. I don't know what the outcome for this thing's going to be, but I kind of get it. Yeah. So I don't need to be so fucking desperate. <laughs> yeah, and I think with with actors, a lot of times it is that it's all based in fear, and we get like the daredevil mentality because you hear all the like glory stories of like, well, this person just got discovered at the gas station. Right. Oh, this person yeah. just went up and gave their headshot to so-and-so and they yeah. got cast. Yeah. This person was picked out of a line. They didn't even audition anyone else. And you start thinking, <laughs> bitch, that'll happen to me too. Watch. <laughs> and then you start swinging the bat at shit that that's, doesn't work. Like, you're at the bar, man. Relax. You don't need to, you don't need yep. to do it here. Yep. I think it just has to come with, like, you, you got to cultivate a sense of calm around it. They're like, whatever the break is going to be, when it happens, it'll be the right thing. That's why it's the big break. The big break isn't like the first biggest job you get. I think it's the one that's the right one for you that you can knock out of the park because where you're at in life and what that character is supposed to be, all that shit just falls in line. And then you just got to walk in and do your thing and, yeah. and, and use the years of experience you've had in your personal life and your training and whatever you've done to prepare and just let all that shit cook together. And that's it. Yeah, and this is something that we've been working on because Lance mm-hmm. and I just did a piece that I'm editing. Brett was on. He was doing sound for us. And uh, we just spent a lot of time. You were great for me because I was having a lot of trouble getting back into making films after mm-hmm. the insanity that is L.A. and the insanity that is yeah. COVID. And you, Nick, will, will attest to this. Like, like trying to sell a movie and trying to play the game out here is fucking soul sucking. It's it's very hard. It's it's hard to ever know what anybody actually wants. Yeah. And then on top of it like it's hard to understand you know why they don't want it. Big time. Especially when it seems like the conversation was just really positive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. I'm curious for you guys when that happens, right? This, I heard this phrase like Hollywood doesn't know what it wants until it sees it, right? Mm-hmm. But you guys in the more in the business of like presenting the thing like presenting options yeah. and hoping that they bite on one of them. What is that process like for you guys? Because like as an actor, you you get the material, you show up, you do your thing, they either like you, they don't like you. But you guys are also the material that's being presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what what is that rejection like or what is that process like for you guys? <laughs> I mean, well, it's funny. I So my main role so far, this is my first feature and I may, I'm really just a writer on it. So mm-hmm. at a certain point, just just a writer well please. but that's but the, i mean that's starts on the page man it, that's tr- that's true 
But the way the writers are treated is at some point there's a there's a breaking away. You're the the That's space right. shuttle continues and you're that part of the that that gets you know dropped into <laughs> the ocean, dropped in the Atlantic, <laughs> and you get and, and we don't need that. <laughs> so I'm like, so I get to be like, I'm sort of a part of all these conversations, but it's not like I'm the one who's in the room, you know, trying to yeah. actually like cut. That's up to like the production company and the, yes. the, and all that stuff. So, but I'm still like privy to all of it. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it really is just a lot of like, especially now more than ever, because like, even like having actors attached to your project doesn't, actors don't sell movies anymore. Uh, it's not necessarily going to entice distributors or, you know, investors. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's literally, I, I, I haven't, we haven't sold it yet. So I haven't had the experience of like seeing where it actually, where it finally clicks with somebody. Yeah. I, we've had a lot of people say really nice things. We've gotten to screen it at some really cool production companies. I've gotten to meet some people who have made movies that I really liked and they have, and like they've even done so much like we screened it for this one company and like five executives are in the room and I like the movies that they've made and I'm excited to be talking to them. And they, they talked with us about our movie for like 40 minutes afterwards. They That's were like, awesome. you know, they really got into it. They That's were awesome. really interested and had a lot to say. Nothing. Yeah. So it's yeah. so that so you know it's one of those things where it's like well what what's it's like what's what's the situation where it works out like because I walked out of that being like oh that was great I think we got it no well dude I've I mean obviously one of my movies hasn't been completely greenlit but I know Will and Will's been telling me stories of stuff that has gone it's crazy how fast it goes when it does go and it's crazy how what goes has got nothing to do with your talent. Yeah. That's crazy. So the crazy thing is, is that most of Hollywood currently, they're trend chasers. They're not trend makers. And so what they're doing consistently is they're, they're, they're just looking for the fastest way, the cheapest and fastest way to make a lot of money. And that's it, man. And so dependent upon the week, that you go out. Like, if you happen to go out with a horror movie after Barbarian was out, everybody's going to be asking, is it like Barbarian? Yeah. Like, we went out after Hereditary. Is it like Hereditary? Um, the, the reality of the situation is there aren't many people out there that will fight for you. And so it, it, it isn't this world in which, and I'd, I want it to be, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist and... I have high hopes that it does exist, but I haven't seen it yet. There aren't places where as soon as someone gets resistance on a pitch, because basically what we do, you're going to do this as a writer. I'll do this as a director. We pitch to production companies and that production company will fall in love with our work. And the production company may be like, dude, I love what you did with 12 cam. What are you doing right now? What are you making? What's going on? And so they want to be attached to your skill, but also whatever buzz is surrounding whatever it is that you're putting out there. So then you're like, okay, cool. I've got this idea. And so typically, uh, you've, I've now learned to have like a bunch of things in my head where I can go in a room and go, I got this idea. And they sort of glaze over and I go, but I also got this idea. Mm. And they go, oh, oh, that's cool. And you're like, cool, yeah, yeah, I got stuff for that. And you go home and you hustle through and try to make that stuff. Uh, But then you're in that situation with them where they go, this is exciting. And they go, this is fucking great. And you hang up the phone, you have long calls, long conversations. Then they put out feelers. So they might call an agency. They might call up like uh, UTA or one of those places to go, 
do you think you guys think you can sell this? They may reach out to some of their studio people and go, do you think you can sell this if you're lucky? Um, and as soon as I get any fucking resistance, they'll drop it. Yeah. As soon as it becomes something that requires them to go, no, 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 I stake this person. I put my name for this person. If you're just someone that walks off the street and has a general or does some basic thing, they'll drop it quick, 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 quick. Yeah. And so the the hope is, and I've been trying to do this with my years that I've been here now, is that you're forming strong enough bonds with these people that they have to think twice before they drop it. So they have to sit there and go like, I know Mike, I know what he can do. And then I try to put myself out there and say like, I will go to the fences, I will fight for you and I will make this thing yours. So that that, that person thinks about that twice before they do it. Like we just got, I just got rejected two days ago for a piece, great company, I'm not gonna say who they are. I love them, I'll probably do something with them in the future. And they were so great because one of the few that wrote me an email and he said in the email, dude, I love this project. We deliberated it in the office. We deliberated it for days in the office. And I know I'm writing to you and I'm going to regret turning this down. I know in the future I'm going to regret not doing this. Um, but I have to. I cannot do this because not everybody here at the office agrees on this thing. And he's like, but I want to make something with you in the future. But boom. And that's so nice. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's rare in Los Angeles. It's I, I very that. rare. Yeah. And I wrote back to him. I said, dude, I see this as the greatest sign of respect yeah. that you wrote this fucking email. I love a respectful no. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, my response to him, which I haven't heard back on, but my response to him was like, you want to be on one of my sets? When you're standing on my set and you're looking at a monitor, what do you want to see? What would you like to see on that monitor? And let's talk about that. And let's try to make that into a movie. I haven't heard back on that yet, but that was my response. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's nice that he took the time, at least. It's fucking you know? rare. I like how you said that, Brett. A respectful no. Yeah. I, I like that. It's, it's not common, but I love mm -hmm. a respectful no. Yeah. I respect mm -hmm. a respectful no. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when you, look at, when you look at what it takes to say no, right the, the the realities as we work in this business is that these businesses are either run by a board of shareholders or they're run by maybe a few of them are still run by a crusty old white guy that hides in the back room and claims that there isn't a white guy that runs this place <laughs> <laughs> and so they what they do is they hire people in front of that so the front room is full of all these young kids that they've told have power. And these are junior execs and younger execs and people that are in the front. And so these are the people that are their wall of defense between having to say yes or no, or even get emotional with any of the creatives. And so these young execs are out there with the idea that they have power. And so we're exchanging with these folks and doing rewrites and putting ideas out there and, and doing all sorts of stuff. And then they get to a place where they go, this is really great. And then they go pitch it to their boss and their boss is like, no, fuck no. <laughs> and so like, they don't have the fucking power that they think that they have. Yeah. And unfortunately with your scripts and with my stuff, we're dealing with those folks because they're the front line of defense for these people to be cutthroat. 
which, you know, I get the business should be cutthroat to a certain extent because how much trash are they getting on a regular basis? Yeah, yeah no, for sure. But it, it's funny, my, this experience is almost, and, I, and I'm doing another feature uh, with what well, we hope the same team. The production company that produced this last one has expressed interest in this this next script that me and my partner are currently writing. Um, but this experience is kind of also like, I'm like, do I want to try to make something even smaller? Yeah. Which is kind of like there's there's a pretty cool like indie scene on the East Coast in New York and I'm I'm like we made this movie for I don't know if I can talk about the budget but we made this movie for like quite a bit of money I'm like I would love to like try to make a movie for like sixty grand and see yeah. what see if that experience you know where there's where there's less at stake and it's easier to sell people on it yeah I mean and realistically right what is budget right so you're asking for money to pull off an idea right? yeah and so like if you write smaller. You're right, smaller. And if it's clever and it's something fun to do, I think that's great. I, I think that um, with current technology and if you're with a solid crew, you can do amazing. We were shooting on a fucking shed. It looks like a million bucks. Yeah. Like you could do really great stuff. But I find that I hit a fucking plateau. So there hits a point where like Lance can attest to this when we and Brett can attest to this when we did our shoot day one. I'm fucking shooting it. I'm lighting it. I'm mm -hmm. trying to hit marks on a fucking slider. Mm -hmm. Like all that stuff is sacrificing your performance because I can't be a fucking director. Right. And so you, the, like there hits a, a ceiling of, sure, there are so many different things out there, but give me some more money so that I can refine this thing that ultimately when I release it, some fucking asshole is going to watch and go, bro, the fucking performance is so fucking shit. And he has <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no idea. That's, that's true, right? actually. That's true. He has no idea that it was like yeah. the... the we, we were talking about this when we were watching the edit a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We decided to make a project that belongs in kindergarten, right? Because mm -hmm. the original idea was that very small. Simple, very, very simple. Very small, contained. And then whenever we shoot something, it ends up in fucking like ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we skirted into ninth grade and now we have to make it look like it belongs in fucking ninth grade. And that's mm -hmm. the way it works with all of these smaller projects. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's very easy to start to bite off more than you can chew. Uh, but I think that's just like the nature of what we do is it's, it's, we get excited. We, we dive in, we want to do more. And like, ah, it was just going to be a five minute short, but I'm looking at like 15 now. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, oh, great. But now you got to do some fucking cutting and figure that out, you know, but like, yeah, I, I think um, even with stuff like this, man, like to, to to come away from the job, or even like the the shit we shot this past weekend at my place, like yeah, that was a good job. You know, like you you see where the anxiety lives, you see where the stress is at, you see where like it it hits everybody a little bit differently. But you, the the thing of like still coming together and completing something, coming out the back end, and I think if we go into it with like with the thought like this is just gonna be like a kindergarten thing, we're gonna keep it as elementary as possible, and you come out the other end and you go. Honestly, I feel like this is ninth grade now. <laughs> like, I mean, fuck it. Yeah, it's great. Like, this is a testament to the work that everybody does together. Because, like, to anytime to pull a fucking group of people together and at the end of the fucking two days, you're like, honestly, this shit is amazing. <laughs> and then you like, go... Yeah, sweet. And then you bring it to the audience and you walk in there with, like, your, your Picasso made from finger paints. Yeah. Right? And they go in there and they go, put it on the wall with the other Picassos. Yeah. And the audience walks in and goes, well, the fucking finger paint one here. <laughs> kind of yeah. dog shit <laughs> this is trash and you're like asshole i made that in kindergarten you're like this is way better enjoyed by itself <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't belong in a playlist <laughs> i don't want dude fuck this and i'm gonna say this on on the show i think 
We live in a world where everybody wants to know if their fucking chickens are grass fed. We live in a world where everybody yeah. wants to know where yeah. shit comes from. Yeah. The argument that like the audience shouldn't understand what goes into filmmaking before they watch a movie, I think is bullshit. I think you should understand that if you watch anything on screen, if you see anything on a fucking screen, if it was made and finished and it sounds good, if it sounds good, that means that that's a miracle that that fucking mm -hmm. happened. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. It's so, made it, it's made it hard for me to like dislike most. I mean, like if, if going through the process of like making one and just seeing like obviously like just being on set watching it and seeing like the shit that they would run into every day yeah. that had to be compensated for. Yeah. It's hard like I think most movies are pretty good. I I mean I can be critical of them, <laughs> sure. but it's hard for me to like truly hate most movies that I see. Yeah. Cuz like these motherfuckers put all this time in. Yeah. I remember or, there's with even someone. one sequence that's successful. I'm like, "Damn, they pulled it off." Yeah. When uh, when Mandy came out, uh, I oh, missed yeah. the I missed the theatrical run. But then there was like a thing on PlayStation Network where you could like rent it. Mm -hmm. And at first, I had bootlegged it, and I started watching it, and I was like, "This looks like shit." <laughs> Mandy? Really? You thought yeah. that looked like shit? Well, the boot like oh like oh, shit. it was like it was okay, <laughs> no no okay, the movie okay. did not look like shit. Uh, uh, but the person I was with at the time came in the house, and they started watching with me, and they're like, "Oh, this doesn't look really good." I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna rent it, and we're gonna start it over." Well, why are you gonna rent it? Why? Like, it's a waste of money. I was like. Look, man, these motherfuckers spent how many hours a week trying to make this movie yeah. as good as they could, yeah. and it's going to cost me four bucks to rent it and get every hour of that effort yeah. in the next two hours. Yeah, The least I can do is spend the four fucking bucks, and if I don't like it after that, it just is what it is, but yeah. I can at least spend the four fucking bucks and catch it at home, right? It's already not the way it's intended, but I can at least catch like the quality and the sound and everything as clean and sharp as they would like to be presented when you do watch it at home. The yeah. least I can do is spend the four fucking bucks. Yeah. It's a shame yeah. you missed that one in the theater, man. That's, yeah, I, I saw know. it in the I theater like twice. Shit. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. It was so good. I also must be on the Black Rainbow in the theater. I saw that one at home. I was like, motherfucker. I, I saw that at a festival and that like blew my face off. Oh my yeah. God. That's got such a good score in it. Yeah. And that like... It was like the epileptic sort of like uh, flashes of color. Yeah. I remember yeah. Just like, and you're like sitting there going, what the fuck? That's Panos, man. Like you watch even his uh, uh, Cabinets of Curiosity episode. Yeah. Oh, he has an episode on that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. I, 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 that, I, I enjoyed his episode. I thought it was good. It doesn't totally come together, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It's crazy. Radical. It's fun. Yeah. Oh, check it out. It's fun. His stuff is cool. I mean, that's uh, a whole other tangent, but he's one of those Do filmmakers- it. Like Nicholas Refn for me. Where, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, like, he, not every movie needs to be about plot. Not every movie needs to be about dialogue. Not yeah. every movie needs to fit a fucking formula. And I, I'm right. refreshed when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's funny. He's kind of a, I don't know. Have you ever seen, like, his dad's movies, um, George Cosmatos? Mm -hmm. He His big one, I think people know, is Tombstone. But his dad. Oh wait, Tombstone, like uh, uh, Kurt Russell Tombstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, fucking love that, that that's, movie. That's that's the only movie that his dad made that anybody really liked. But he was he did like a bunch of actually I think he did. Did he do Rambo two? He did Rambo two. That's a good movie. But but he did this movie um, also with Stallone called Cobra. Yes. That mm -hmm. is, and the movie is like <laughs> purely it's just pure aesthetics. Like there's not everything that happened. It's kind of nonsensical. The plot is not important. Yeah. But it looks super fucking cool. I would say the yeah. most important part of Cobra 
is uh, cutting your pizza with scissors. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Fuck, no. <laughs> he cuts his pizza into little triangles with scissors. <laughs> so tedious. <laughs> but it's like, but I love Panos because he clearly, like, he, I, they don't make the same kinds of movies, him and his, or they do in a way. They make genre movies. Sure. But his are a lot more indebted to, like, art house films, mm-hmm. Panos's. But I like that they both clearly place aesthetics over everything else well and i would go even further than that and i would say that they place tone yeah over everything else absolutely and I think, like he builds a tone i think when you say aesthetics there are a lot of i'm going to call you guys out there listening there's a lot of filmmakers out there that are like i got these sweet fucking lenses and that is my aesthetic for this movie it's tone it's a voice mm-hmm. he has a voice and 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 when you watch if you watch Panos, immediately you go, this is a Panos movie. You watch two frames of Panos. You watch two frames of Nicholas Rafen. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, you watch two frames of Michael Bay. Yeah. These guys have a tone and they have a voice in cinema, which I think is completely lacking right now because we're living in a time period of the logo and not the filmmaker. And so whenever you can find a filmmaker that has tone and they rise to the top, um, you know, and like like James Gunn, he's another one. Mm-hmm. Like like celebrate them because that's what cinema was. And if you grew up loving the movies from the seventies, if you talk about like Frankenheimer or, or uh oh, yeah. like uh fucking Coppola or um Spielberg or even Lucas before Lucas <laughs> made the mouse even bigger, <laughs> uh, you know, there was tone. A voice mm-hmm. and uh celebrate that shit i mean and i guess you know everybody likes to say now that today like modern day is all about tv i don't think so like tv's gonna get old and yeah, but also the theater yeah, i think the theater's always gonna have its place you know what i mean like we 100 at the end of the day like we all want that experience or enjoy that experience of like going into the dark room with strangers and like disappearing the the moment where like you kind of catch the visceral reaction running through the whole room packed house and everybody gasps like that that there's something really fucking cool and magical in there oh for sure let's be even more selfish about it it's the only place you can go and have fully immersive sound yeah mm, fair and, and fair. sure you can put headphones on but you're not going to get that fucking bass hit yeah like when i saw uh dune i went to oh, universal skywalk and every time those little fucking like grasshopper helicopters took off, yeah, it felt like someone was shooting me in the chest. The sound <laughs> first someone to see it, I was up way too late the night before, and I dozed off at a point, and then I woke up when um, the character Lady Jessica does like the, the voice, yeah. scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Well, fun- it's amazing. <laughs> Funny enough, Tran, who's doing the sound effects on the new short, we were. Uh, dissecting how the voice works mm. it's actually really cool what he does for dune and i don't know if you guys know this but watch it whenever they use the voice he's got this really cool technique where uh denis the director was like the voice should be the voice of like ancient women so it should be a feminine voice right the ben Jesuit. and so it's a mix of three voices yep. and so when the kid uses it the first time he doesn't have control over it, so there's a separational delay between mm-hmm. all the voices. Mm-hmm. And as they start to get their shit together and they start to figure out sync. how to use it, they become in sync. It's yeah. fucking rad, man. Yeah, man. Super fucking cool. God, that movie is fucking great. I cannot wait for the next one. Once again, tone. 
Yeah. I mean, the biggest literal com- tone here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> anyway, it's very true. Bro, I love that when you chime in, it's fucking gold. Every time. <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought you were lost in some sort of no, monster No, my brain truck was haze. thinking of uh, modern day hardcore metal vocalists. The way they're taught to do their vocalizations, there's two tones to it. There's a high and a low. Uh, Interesting. Like the real pros out there, it's it's fucking fascinating because the woman Melissa Cross, who's like sort of figured out this way and is taught. Oh, she's the coach, right? Yeah, she with the she teaches people to use their false vocal folds or whatever. So right? she's yeah. like a metal singer coach. She's like she comes from like an That's opera sick. and punk yeah. background, but she teaches everybody wild uh jesse leach and i gotta get her everybody. on the show i, I should get her on say, the show yeah, oh yeah, she'd be a get uh so she teaches all these vocalists that in the in the metal and the hardcore vocalizations uh <laughs> i want to attempt it but i know i'm gonna fucking fail oh, Brett. oh my Dude. god so i'm not going to Dude. but listen to your favorite vocalists <laughs> your favorite heavy vocalists and there's multiple tones to their screen. So it's like a gu- it's like a guttural, and then it's like a high pitch that's also yeah in. yeah. It, there's a head voice and a, and a fucking. Is it in the mix, voice. or are they able to do it out of their vocal? They no, do they it live. They yeah. do it's it's uh it, it's the same thing that um people who do like throat singing like you've heard like yep like it's it's, oh, the, it's, it's the, the exact monster. same vocal flap. I was in a hardcore band. I I I knew how to do it uh when I was like. Do it. No, I, I can play. I can play your recording of me doing it, but I, I can't do it anymore because it's really hard on your voice Damn if you're not doing it right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was hanging out with Jesse from Killswitch when he was repairing his voice. He had to go in and get vocal repairing done for his voice because shit. of that. Yeah, it, it, you can really fuck your vocal cords yeah. up if you don't know how to do it. Yeah, a lot of those guys have to relearn how to scream after they go through that surgery because they weren't doing it right in the first place. So, so then they get sent to Melissa. And she teaches them how to relearn how to scream. That's why on Slipknot's Volume Three, <laughs> Corey sounds so dramatically different because he had to relearn how to properly scream. Yeah. So maybe that's, that's why I hate that record. It sounds like <laughs> shit. <laughs> like he learned how to properly scream the best. But it's still not. But it he now. was like a new vocalist again. Uh, that happened to the, the the band that 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 happened to. I, I don't even like that band. Uh, this band, but Avenged Sevenfold, their very first album, yeah. is like fully like it's like screaming, like 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 true like metalcore screaming. And I think he really damaged his voice. And so after that, they just became yeah. They sound more like Metallica now. Why? Well, like there hits a point when you're a young kid and you're just like, give me a microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. And then you're like, oh shit, I got to tour and do that. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, you're. I need you to go on tour and sing like that. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're fucking Axl Rose. (laughs) You're in the jungle, baby. You're in the jungle. I've done enough karaoke with Mike to know that he could not last a whole tour. Dude, I blow my voice (laughs) out. My favorite thing is you getting into it and you just start ad libbing. So good. I blow. Well, dude, I lose my voice anyways. Like if I'm in a bar. For a long period of yeah. time, and it's loud. I lose my voice. You know, I lose my yep. voice every time I go out. Every time. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that. I don't know what that is. Might be acid reflux. It's eating away at my lungs. <laughs> Ooh. 
You know? I, I like, mean, let's get around a sausage, yeah. more beers. <laughs> For Gina's birthday party, we had karaoke here all night, and I screamed the entire night so much. I screamed so much that the next day, I think I I got sick because my vocal cords were just screamed raw. Oh, no, dude. I was like, do I have COVID? What happened? Like I had too much fun. Someone came up to me after. I think it was Tran because I was in the living room DJing. You were in here. And Tran was like, they hit a point where you and Brett were just playing music and no one wanted to go in the room. <laughs> now, was this Gina's birthday or was this New Year's? Because this that is a Year's. consistent thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was also New it's Year's. It's just me and my kid here alone <laughs> while the small kitchen is full of all the cool, hot people. And it's just me and Mike screaming along to metal and no... No one's here in this big room. Everybody's like hiding. Like, that, that's your moment. That's your moment. Embrace it. Well, there hits a point where no one's in, and I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, we're putting on ministry, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> it's like, listen yeah. to this rhythm, and the kids come in, and their eyes get real big, and they're like, yeah. the grownups are getting scary. <laughs> you kids ever heard of the cult? It makes you think of that, that uh, Michael Jackson video, Black and White, where the dad comes in. What is this? Turn it off. <laughs> that's everybody walking back in. No, no. That's me and Mike walking into the kitchen to get fresh beers <laughs> while all the young, hot people are listening to like young, hot music. Right. <laughs> that's all the Taylor Swift tickets you want. That's, that's, yeah. that's where it's happening in there. You know what blows my mind is that when we were younger, it says the old guy in the porch, when we were younger, uh, it was always like, that music's getting harder. That music's getting harder, right? So like our like my parents were like, oh shit, that white zombie stuff is a little too hard for me, you know? And then it just gets harder and harder. And there hit this point where it just broke. It couldn't go any harder. And and so yeah. so now I'm like still getting this music's too hard, but it's from the younger kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it isn't from the adults anymore. It's the younger kids going, This is too aggressive. I'm feeling a little triggered. This is very aggressive. That's so true. <laughs> very aggressive. We're going right back to puritanical times, really. Because, yeah. like, how do you get like how do you get more? And I guess there are bands that do it, but the, there's far less appeal. But like now, like truly heavy, scary music is like it's almost like electronic. Yeah. Like, like there, there, there's this band yeah. that I listen to, uh, Candy, and it's like they're they used to just be like a hardcore punk band. But now their record's almost like, I'm like, this sounds like something I would like play in like a haunted house. Yeah. Like, it's just like fucking scary and like weird. Because I guess that's the only, like, that's the only place left to go. I, I, I remember the popular band that was sort of pushing the limits was Death Grips. Oh, yeah. Death, like Death Grips. And you're yeah. like, this guy sounds like he's having a fucking heart attack and he's murdering somebody at the same time. And that was like mainstream. It's funny to me that they were ever considered hip hop because it's straight well, up like now they got a bait and switch though industrial yeah they have a bait and switch because that first track on the money score uh, goes kind of, the beat is really nice it goes kind of hard like you can get people to kind of dance to that and then starting with track two people are like turn this the fuck <laughs> yeah, off yeah yeah I do not want to listen you, to this Lance you've never heard Death Grips no but with that description I'm listening to that shit in the car on the way home uh, yeah. literally the first I think is it called is it called Get Got is that what the first track yeah, is that really you can that one's like most people really? like that one. Yeah, it's kind of groovy. Yeah, mm. but then the, the it, they are more like a they're more like a hardcore band than a hip hop group. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it's like <laughs> Nine Inch Nails took them out on tour when they were new, and they bailed like mid tour. They left like a really? "We're out of here" really? note or something for Trent. Fuck. Trent was so pissed. Off. <laughs> well, they they did oh that stunt God. where like they they were supposed to play a show. This is like didn't isn't that how they people found out they broke up? They were supposed to play a show and then like they 
people showed up to the venue and it was just like a recording of death grips with like a note on the drum set or something like <laughs> and then they broke up I, I, awesome. unless i'm misremembering that but i swear to god something like that happened what That's a shit awesome. show <laughs> how does it fall apart that badly <laughs> well but that was after when you like, hear this music it'll make more well, sense dude, i mean their music it's like i'm gonna be in the car like ah. Oh. It, it is it does feel like Oh, it's, it's like being on PCP. Uh, exactly. Like, PCP. It it's like it's like it's like you're one of the one of the homeless guys down in in downtown LA was suddenly like gifted from the gods the ability <laughs> yeah. to write poetry on crack cocaine and meth. And so he's Shit. just and you're just like holy fuck. <laughs> Like, so it's called Get Got. That's the song. The, the song, yeah. The the album, The Money Store, was the one that was really big. The Money Death, Store, Death Grips, Death Grips. But but they but they. It's funny. They yeah. like as you get deeper into their, their discography, it's like oh, there's some interest. There's just like some genuinely interesting stuff going yeah. on musically. Mm. And you can, I mean, they have enough groovy shit in there that you're like, <laughs> it's like eating those hot fucking peppers at Red Lion, where you're like. <laughs> These these taste pretty good. And then after a while, you go, fuck, these are really hot. Like, yeah. you get like deep into the catalog. By the third like, one, you're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm God done. damn. Done. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to have stomach acid problems after <laughs> this. After this. Yeah. I have it right now. I don't listen to them for very long. Yeah. Death Grips <laughs> yeah. is stomach acid. That's what Death Grips is. Um, I But I enjoy I enjoy the stuff that I like from them. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah but the, I mean, it's so hard to find angry music right now it's so hard to find like really good rock right now like rock is like gone yeah. into hibernation it really has it's dead it's completely dead uh there's nobody going in, in a harder direction uh but also at the same time i'm in my 30s so i'm not listening to new stuff so maybe oh, there's yeah. shit out there so i shouldn't speak on it mm. you're crossing into legacy act territory yeah. now yeah <laughs> You know, now you're going to be that old guy that spends $350 for a Rob Zombie ticket. No, no, no. I'll spend $20 to see the cover acts because that's what I do every other weekend now. I just saw the Phil Collins tribute acts two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. The best time. That's the only you have to know because if you go see Phil Collins, he's like sitting. Oh, yeah. I saw the real one two years ago and he should not have been there. (laughs) It should have been Peter Gabriel at least. Yeah. yeah, you got me the Genesis album. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember? Which, which which Genesis album did you get him? Visible Touch. Oh yeah, it's a great album. And then Lance and I like a little Genesis, a little Phil Collins. Oh, I fucking love Phil Collins. Listen, you play Take Me Home any day of the week. Yeah, I actually was peeing a job one time, and I was shuttling people from set to crew parking. <laughs> just just repeating that song, <laughs> and I kept doing it every time I looped back. I just restarted it. But I would start at like that 30 seconds bit. before I pulled up. So it's the end of the day. Like, end of the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm only picking up chunks at a time. And I would like cue it so that like, you know, you think that it was already playing when I pulled up. Yeah. And people were like, oh, this is perfect. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and I'm going to restart this in five no, minutes. No, I won't even hide it. As soon as I pull up and I hit, I go into park, I'm hitting rewind. <laughs> <laughs> We had this uh, t- semi-related to what you're talking about. I, we, I went on a uh, field trip when I was in high school. Mm. And uh, it was something with like, what the fuck were we doing? I was on the bus with all the music kids. And we had a music teacher, Dick Powell was his name, at, like the actor. And he all, would always wow. remind us that he was named after like an actor from the 50s. Wow. And so, and so he let us... That's what he was going with. <laughs> 
Please, children, I'm don't think, pal, think of genitalia. Not think like of... the actor. <laughs> no, 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 oh. no. No, he would say like the actor. <laughs> he li- he wanted you to know there was an actor because how the fuck would we know that? That guy was an actor like you know fifty years ago. <laughs> hey um, kids, my name is Penis Balls, <laughs> like the actor. <laughs> so, uh, my friend Bra- and they, he would let us play music on the bus and. But, but you had to do it through like this boom box. Yeah. So my friend Brad, you could hook an iPod up to it or something. Um, and my friend Brad thought it'd be funny to play the song Brick House, just like on repeat. He, I think he played it. He might have. I don't know how many times he played it how, for however long the bus ride was. And people in the bus start to get really fucking upset <laughs> that Brick House is on again. And we can't. Also, the weird thing is like. Mr. Powell, it's like he he was a really interesting guy. You could never really get a good read on him. Mm. So like we don't know if this is like pissing him off, how he feels about it. Yeah. And finally, like kids towards the front of the bus are starting to shout, like, hey, turn that fucking music off or change. Like people are there's like growing dissent and unrest. <laughs> and Mr. Powell stands up at the front of the bus and he, he he's like, Hey, everybody, everybody calm down. Everybody shh, be quiet. Stop yelling. <laughs> and like a hush falls over the bus and he just goes, Let the boy play his music. <laughs> 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 and we continue to listen to Breakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> what a troll! That oh, is like a kid. bit you would do that. at a bar for the jukebox. Is like you you just yeah. dump twenty dollars in. Oh yeah, listen yeah. To the same song over and yeah. over. And piss of off course, everybody. yeah. You find that twenty minute track. <laughs> My favorite thing is going to like you go to like house parties where somebody has like the Alexa or the uh, the Google thing. I think you're I did, all I shouting at it at the same time. <laughs> no, you wait for somebody like at Mike's 40th. I would wait for somebody to say, "Hey Google," and I go play Limp Biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> and then I would just do it and break stuff. Is the first choice every time. But I remember being at another party a few years ago, and uh, the Alexa was sitting off to the side, and like music's loud, and everybody's jamming and talking amongst themselves. So I would sneak over next to and just go, "Alexa, play Limp Biscuit," and watch the little blue light. And I'm like, "Yep, she got it," and I walk away. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck who's playing this and they change it give it two songs go back Alexa play this one break (laughs) all right guys hold on let's take a break here and I'm gonna do uh, I gotta piss well you can take a piss and you guys can stick around I'm gonna do ad reads hold on let me cue some music here dick pal what do we got all right he was the fucking man all right everybody uh so it's time to take a moment and a break and do some ad reads some sponsor ad reads now before you fucking skip this shit just know that it's important that you listen to these ad reads engage with the links uh because that's the only way that this show gets financing it's the only way i stay in business um but also i'll give you some tricks and i've got a couple new sponsors on the way i just got these badass lens adapters so I can put anamorphic cinema anamorphic lenses on my little Fujifilm cameras. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, it's fucking rad, dude. Um, but uh, first up, let's talk about if you're uh, in the market for a new computer. Let's say that you're out there and you're trying to cut movies. Maybe you're trying to do some music stuff. Maybe you're, maybe you're just a fucking gamer and your PC isn't powerful enough. Um, look, you can build your own PC. There's no reason why you can't. I used to do it when I was a kid. You ever build your PC? You ever build a PC? No. Uh, when we got a PlayStation, that was that was enough. I was like, wow, we're on cutting-edge technology. <laughs> no. See, we we used to do LAN parties, so we'd build PCs. Oh, that's cool. And then we'd all break, like a bunch of us, like seven or eight kids would all go to one house. Yeah. And we'd LAN together. 
<sighs> and it was fun. See, I want to do something like that now. There's like a few good games out that I feel like you could do this with. And yeah. I just want to like get like four people together, everybody with their own screen, their own console, and just like have that powwow. You know what I mean? Well, dude, they're hit this. That'd be fun. That we, we were, this was early, early. So we were playing like Alien vs. Predator, like the, or was it Alien vs. Predator 2 on the PC, which was mm. fun. And then we were playing this game called Delta Force 2, which was. A game, that sounds so familiar. It was a game that the the, the Marines, that the military re- was using as a training game. So like Ooh. all the gun stuff was very realistic in it. And I remember we were in my friend's house at the time. I don't know how his mother put up with us. And we had PCs in the living room. We had PCs in the dining room. We had PCs in the kitchen. We had kids everywhere in this space. And I would fire a sniper rifle from one room and you'd hear the bullet go through the entire house oh that's cool yeah so uh if you're in the market to build a new pc why do it yourself especially if you're now professional uh i found this company that builds amazing pcs um puget systems place to go go to pugetsystems.com and uh if you want a great editor i'm just i've been working on it all week because i've been doing the b miller content uh i've been editing the new short film we've been shooting with the area alexa uh lf so we've been shooting large format stuff which is huge files and i've been editing my stuff with at least 15 layers of video all real time all full res so if you guys are looking for an editor write to puget systems either go to pugetsystems.com or uh, follow them on uh instagram write to them there and say hey what's the machine that mike got because you're going to want it if you're a video editor uh, and I'll tell you this, playing video games on my video edit machine, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, so Puget Systems is the place to go if you are looking for a PC. Um, also supporting the show, our friends over at Boca Rentals. Uh, Gina just released this week the new B. Miller thing. Uh, we did the new video Cynical, which we shot with the, like I said, the Arial uh, Mini LF. We got that from Boca. We got, I think the Ranchero lenses. I'm probably mispronouncing them, but we got these great spherical lenses. Um, I'll try to do some posts on Instagram on how we shot all that stuff. Um, we use some of the, we use these new spider lights for it. Um, but if you're in the market, if you're in Los Angeles uh, and you're a filmmaker, here's what I suggest. Keep your overhead down. Don't spend money on all this gear. It's going to be outdated, and it'll be outdated very quickly. And any producers that you work with are going to be reading the trades. They're going to want the hottest, newest thing on the market. So why fucking blow money on it? Because as soon as you do, here's, here's the move. You buy an expensive camera, and then all the producers you know are like, hey, can you toss that in for free? So now you're indebted with this big camera. Make friends with your local rental house. And if you're in Los Angeles, Boca Rentals is the place to go. These guys carry all of the lenses that uh, are used to shoot your favorite Netflix series. Um, If you're looking for some of the hottest new anamorphics on the market, these guys have them. These guys have vintage lenses. lenses. Jesus Christ, I've had two beers and I'm already (laughs) fucking everything up. Um, But they are the place. Man, I cannot say enough great things. Go to BocoRentals.com or follow them on Instagram. They do awesome posts where they will show you the movies that are shot with the lenses that they have in stock, which is very important when you're trying to find lenses um, that work for you. Hold on, I got a belch. 
Uh. <laughs> all right. All right. So also supporting the show, our friend at Fujifilm. Fujifilm has uh, signed on full year sponsorship. Love these guys. Um, I was just hanging out with Victor recently. He was in town. Uh, if you haven't heard the episode with Victor yet, go back and listen to it. I forget the number, what episode number it is. Um, but when you listen to that show, you will hear how dedicated Fujifilm is to filmmakers, how much they love to support filmmakers. I'm, I'm going to call it out, man. There are two companies that I've worked with that have helped me finance movies, and that is Puget and Fujifilm. So if you are looking for companies that really give a fuck about storytelling, those are the companies. Uh, and Fujifilm cameras are affordable. Um, they are beautiful. They're known for their color profiles. They're known for their uh, color space. But I've just seen, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but I've seen the prototypes for their new cameras that are coming out in the market. They're going to be competing with some huge camera companies. It's going to become affordable for you. Get on it early. Go to Fujifilm. Uh, the link is in my description of this episode. I don't have anything in front of me, so I'm not going to try to read what the link is. You know, I've only had today. What have I eaten today? <laughs> this is the moment to realize it. <laughs> I, I think I had a salad today, and that's in like two a of those A salad beers. and two beers. Two beers, man. I can barely get through this fucking Los Angeles laundry. diet. Guys, yeah. we need you to support <laughs> the sponsors. <laughs> Mike needs you to support the sponsors. <laughs> so I can't say enough great things about Fujifilm. And I think uh, coming in the next few episodes, I will talk about the lens adapter company. But I just got my hands on these sweet lens adapters that are enabling me to put PL mount lenses on my Fujifilm cameras. Um, Gina just uh, used a lens adapter for her GFX 100, which allows her to put... What's the uh, large format camera that you have that the lenses that we're putting on? The Mamiya, right? Yeah, so she's using old school Mamiya lenses on her GFX camera, and they're gorgeous. Um, so there's lots of exciting stuff, and I'll make my way through those ad reads when I uh, am not this buzzed. <laughs> Gina would use the Mamma Mia lenses. The Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, so let's come out of the ad reads. Also, for those of you who are just showing up, and if you're feeling a little intimidated by the amount of episodes that we have, and you're like, hey, man, what do I do? Do I go back to episode one? Well, if you're a true comic book fan, you probably should go back to episode one and listen to them all. But if you're a lazy... You gotta know the lore. If you're a lazy, if <laughs> yeah. you're a lazy fuck, then just go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. I've curated all the episodes there based upon subject material. So if you want to just listen to all the filmmaker episodes, that's a great place. If you want to listen to all the rock stars, the chef, or the barbecue episodes, they're all curated. But I will say this... You won't find all the episodes listed up there. There's a bunch of really great Thursday update episodes. Today's episode is going to be mm. dropped on a Thursday. You won't find this episode there as well. So don't just rely upon inlovewiththeprocess.com for it. But it's a great place to go. Show your fucking love for all this hard work I do and you guys don't pay me a dime for it. <laughs> you got to hear where it starts in the attic in Watertown. You got to hear it there. If you're going to get to the L.A. <laughs> All right, all right. So as we return, you know what we should talk about? Last time you were here, Brett, you brought up a fucking story that blew my face off. Ooh, what's this? I got dumped? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> not that one. No. Uh, as devastating as that story was. No, not that one. I was going to say, uh, this might be a separate episode. I have three separate instances where I got fucked out of getting paid, and then I fucked those people over. Oh, dude, you gotta at least you, you gotta go down this road. Yeah, what yeah. was what? Where, where, when was this? Yeah. All right, this is gonna be a long app, dude. Uh, go in, go in. So n- number one, do the I'm, good one. I'm assuming this one. is what you were talking about. The sign and the okay, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the final one. We'll start with my first getting fucked over. <laughs> okay, so this is a long episode. All right, let's go. I'm going to grab another beer while you're setting this This up. might even be a separate episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so this is definitely film-related for everybody listening. I know we've been kind of going off topic a lot. So my very first gig in Los Angeles was working as a PA on a feature film for a bunch of Mormons from Utah huh. who were in town paying PAs $50 a day. What? And I needed the work. So I'm like, I'll take it. Uh, it was Sell your plasma, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shitty comedy about some white guy who like got hit on the head and then all of a sudden could speak Spanish. <laughs> I should camera? probably look this up. I'm sure it's hilariously terrible. But anyway, so instead of hiring real people for the positions, they just made the PAs like have fancy titles. Like, even though I wanted to be the audio PA, uh, I ended up being the crafty PA. Oh and I have no experience working in craft services. But. I'm the guy that they give fifty dollars to to go f- fill up on snacks beforehand. How many is on your crew at this point? Do you think there's less than fifty? Uh, <laughs> less than fifty, more my than twenty. Go, fifty bucks. Yeah. That's not gonna do it. It's gonna be a lot of shitty wealth. And I'm grapes. new to LA, so I don't know about the ninety nine cent only store. So I'm I'm living in Marina del Rey in my friend's guest room. So. I only know stop and shop <laughs> coming out oh, here. So I don't know what wh- where the cheap grocery stores are. So I'm going to Ralph's. Yeah. And I'm dropping all of the money on like three items. <laughs> so everybody's pissed off because there's barely any snacks there. And I'm like, I don't fucking know anything. I'm 27. You should have hired a professional. <laughs> You're paying me under minimum wage to work on your stupid fucking movie. So anyway, the movie's trash. Uh, I work on it, full production. And then, uh, hey, weird thing. They don't pay me. They, they don't want to give me the money they owe me for those $50 a day. I was going to say the $50. Yeah. How many days did you do? Uh, it's, this was like a decade ago at this point. It's, it's hard to say, but it's well into the hundreds, Mike. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, you, I mean... So, you, your your invoice was well into the hundreds, not hundreds of yes, days. Yes, yes, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. invoice was, was like, hundreds God damn, of dollars. Doing the Lord of the Rings, fuck. So, the producer is supposed to pay me is just dodging me. Um, <laughs> I'm calling him all the time. I, I get to a point where I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. I'm, I'm drunk at three a.m. I'm going to start calling him. 
<laughs> I started giving out his phone number at stand-up comedy shows. I'd be like, everybody call this number. We're going to just leave him a nice voicemail right now. <laughs> Fuck you. Eventually, I get a hold of the other producer. Yeah. And he just, he makes it right. He writes your check for $200. Yeah. <laughs> for like... <laughs> <laughs> for so for no three hundred and fifty dollars or some shit, I'm sure he heard the story from the other producer. But because I was such a fucking pain in the ass about it, I eventually got it. So, so that's lesson one: you got to be fucking persistent, and you got to mm. look at all your options. So then, number two was. Uh, I was working audio for a short film for this production crew in from France, mm-hmm. and they were not experienced at all. I think they were like students or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Europe is. I think they just throw money at film. They're not like America. They're just like, <laughs> oh, you make a film, you go to America, and you, and you <laughs> here is money from the government. Make your art. They do yeah. have. They do have like art funding in Europe. Yeah, like it's, the like in Britain, like the lottery. Like yeah. funds the movies. It's insane. So they come over here and they shoot this dog shit short film called Thoughts. <laughs> uh, and it's trash. It is garbage. And the producing aspects, they didn't do their fucking homework at all because all of our locations were in situations where I thought they were kidding. One of the one of the locations we're shooting outside directly in front of a construction site. <laughs> and they keep asking me, how's the sound? And I was like, you have to be kidding me right now, right? Is this a joke that you're asking me how the sound is? Oh There's fucking... They want your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have... The sound, the sound is perfect. I can hear There's every fucking, guy. I can guy. hear all the jackhammers. <laughs> I can hear all the men grunting. Is that what you wanted for this scene when you were imagining it? <laughs> Uh, and Let's then get some room tone. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we stole a shot at a park in LA, and there weren't any lights set up, so they had to get a Jenny, and so they set up the generator, and the generator's on camera, <laughs> <laughs> and my boom is aiming at it because <laughs> they couldn't find a better place to put the fucking Jenny. And they're asking me, how's the sound? And I'm like, I can hear the generator perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) And no one's, it's not making any sense in anybody's fucking brain that this is the worst idea possible. (laughs) And so I I turn over the sound and uh, they are upset. They're not happy with the audio I presented them. And uh, they are refusing to pay me. Oh, fucking oh assholes. So uh, this is my first time at the Los Angeles Labor Board. So I present the situation to the Labor Board, and they send something over to Paris, France, because I had to dig up that address for oh, the Oh, because they company. made the... All right, hold on. So they made the movie here. They made the movie, flew back over. And then they barreled back out to Paris. Yeah. Fuck you, Americans, and your hamburgers. Uh, <laughs> and so, at this point, you're fucked, right? Because I'm fucked. They're yeah. international. So the Los Angeles Labor Board sends a nice little letter to them after I I get into like a 
I normally would would scream at someone over the phone, but because English is a second <laughs> language for the director, I kept it through WhatsApp. Which, and they had a WhatsApp group for everybody on the crew, which I got kicked out of after I started complaining. <laughs> uh, so I'm having a disagreement with the director. He's like, "We will not pay you for this. The sound is bad." I was like, "Well, the sound is your fault." Uh, I, I, I wasn't not saying anything. Well, I mean, all right, <laughs> right, hold on. So the response to him could have been, "Is it crystal clear?" Has there been any degradation in my audio gear? I'm recording exactly what's on fucking location. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's not like my gear was like... <laughs> like, sometimes I have fucking lavalier issues, oh, and that's dude, on me. So sound is the worst for that stuff. But when you set up your shots in front of a generator, yeah, you in front of asshole. a construction site... You fucking asshole. Construction site is so awesome. It's like, just give me your fucking government-funded money. <laughs> like, this is what you morons wanted. Uh, so the Los Angeles Labor Board sends them a nice little letter, and they feel that threatens them a little bit, and then they eventually go, fine, here's the money we owe you. And I think by the time they paid me... Uh, just a few days later, they received a nice little package from me <laughs> that I had sent from a website where you can purchase animal shit oh, okay. and send it <laughs> anywhere in the world. And it's legal, completely legal for a very small fee. I even got a little discount. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can choose the animal. Would you like to send... You got some on-sale shit. Yeah, yeah. I got a dollar off some gorilla shit to send to fucking Paris, France. What the fuck? So you sent gorilla poop? I don't remember if it was gorilla or horse, whichever was cheaper. Right. What the fuck? What was on sale? Yeah. Was I found sale? a discount code. In the bio. <laughs> Put it in the description. In, yeah. in love with the process, listeners. Can go on to sendsomeshit.com. That needs, you need to get them as a sponsor. Uh, is that the actual I want to know what they're going to send you if you're a sponsor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's some free shit samples. So, talk me through this website. Do you remember the specifics? Uh... Yeah, and, I, and I've had conversations with the owner <laughs> because I'm a frequent customer. Is this some dark web shit that you No, it is a www.com website <laughs> that is completely legal. I'd have to look it up. There's actually multiple websites where you can send someone shit, but this was my favorite. I thought this it was a good price. Uh, you can include... A, a note, if you want. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> uh, and, and it's anonymous because it, it comes from them. It doesn't come from you. Right. Uh, <laughs> can, you, can you imagine, to just put this into context, it's a Tuesday, right? You've ordered, you've been up all night compulsively buying on Amazon. <laughs> and a box shows up on your fucking doorstep and you think... <laughs> that it's that thing you ordered on Amazon the night and before. And it's labeled uh, Thoughts Script, the name of the film script <laughs> on the fucking box. Uh, oh my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so we're two of three right now. Oh my god, dude! So the last one, which I think you meant to bring up, was uh, I'll out them out right now. Uh, the Oaks Gourmet in East Hollywood, <laughs> California. I was a delivery boy there for a year and a half, and I was a very good employee. Uh, when people would call out sick, I was the guy that they would go to. I would be, I would get the first call, uh-huh. and I would be there. Uh, I had good relationships with the managers, with the owner. It was all good. Uh, but after a while, I was like, I'm getting more audio gigs. I'm going to leave the delivery boy business behind because like Uber Eats and everything was moving in on my territory. <laughs> I'm getting less tips. I got to I gotta go where the money is, and that's showbiz, baby. <laughs> so... so from I, pizza delivery to sound man. Yeah, I put in my two weeks respectfully. Yeah. And uh, during my final shift, I pull a little prank. Be a little funny. So my responsibilities when you are the delivery boy in the evenings at this popular joint in Hollywood is you change the marquee signs. So... The Oaks, Gour- Oaks Gourmet sits at the corner of Franklin and Bronson. It's uh, to... Oh, this place. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I mean, it's all taken care of legally. <laughs> I'm saying everything that happened <laughs> truthfully. I, I, I just, I'm like, oh, I, I know. I know it. Uh, Brett, I'm not editing this episode, so be cautious. <laughs> no, I know. It's... I've done a lot of homework. Let me tell you. <laughs> this no, is why I want you to tell the story. No lawyers were involved. It was all me. <laughs> You're fucking psychopath. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Keep going. It's funny. I moved to LA and I have no fucking work ethic. But if you fuck me over, I will go out of my way to fuck you back. <laughs> <laughs> so keep going. Keep going. Keep going. With okay. So, so marquee. You changed the marquee. There's two marquee signs at this popular sandwich joint. Yep. Uh, one will say like, call us for delivery. Here's the phone number. And then the other marquee sign on the other corner will say like calzone night every Sunday, 5 PM. (laughs) So it's my final shift. I've only told my best friend who I'm working with what I'm going to do. I haven't told anybody else, but I take all the letters out and I just start going out. And it's a Friday night in a very popular corner of East East Hollywood. And so I'm changing the sign. And all the drunks at La Poubelle are watching me change the sign to say, Warm Spam Night every Sunday, 3 (laughs) a.m. Or... Bird scooters are dangerous. R.I.P. Brett McCabe. <laughs> so very PG. And they're watching me do this very slowly, letter by letter, <laughs> with the fucking stick, sticking, uh, pulling the old letters off, putting the new letters up. Right. It's not digital. It's analog, baby. Uh, <laughs> but it's to be noted that those two jokes that you're doing up there they're cute are very cute very yeah. pg i thought about it they're very pg what did you think about what was the process <laughs> one of my coworkers was like you should have just wrote fuck <laughs> that should have been it <laughs> no, you got it that's, that's fine. too that's too basic yeah yeah 
I, I wanted to go sort of safe. Yeah. You're asking for trouble if you write, like, you know, go fuck yourself, this place. Well, also, you're asking for trouble spam. regardless. Okay, keep going. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> because the owner lives a few blocks up from the Oaks Gourmet. And so he will frequently walk down and just see what's going on or just go to the bar or something. Uh, so, so immediately after I change the signs, I clock out, I grab my, my receipt, my clock out receipt and I fucking book it home. I don't tell anybody what I just did. 10 minutes into my drive home, I get a phone call from a number that is not in my phone. (laughs) It's like 11 PM. It's probably not spam. (laughs) Uh, I, till 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. Uh, I let it go right to voicemail, and then I get a text message from this phone number, and it is the owner of the Oaks Gourmet, Greg Morris, calling me a piece <laughs> of shit and to come back and to fucking change the sign and he and he says this not only in text message but in voicemail i still have the voicemail of him calling me a piece of shit to come back and change the sign i wish you could play the voicemail uh do you want me to yeah (laughs) yeah play the voicemail dude. it's up to you legally if you're gonna get yourself into some shit i don't i don't know if i can legally yeah okay okay, don't do it don't do it don't i mean he did know he was being recorded yeah but don't do it yeah let's i don't let's not play I, i won't I won't do it on this podcast. I'll do it on my own TikTok. So at least Mike doesn't get sued. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah uh, so my friends still work or not to this day presently, but they are still working at this business at the time at the time. And Greg and his girlfriend are coming in like, oh, he's not getting paid. And they're saying this shit, and Greg's like, "If I see him, I'm gonna fucking knock his ass out." Right. How much did now you you have an outstanding payment with that? How yes. much do they owe you now legally? When you put in your notice, if you put in 48 hours notice, you are to be presented your final paycheck during your last shift. Now I did the courteous thing of doing the two weeks notice. I was not presented my final check. Uh, so I was expecting to get my final check during the next pay period, which was like twice a month. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, I did not receive it. <laughs> <laughs> so how much did they owe you? At this they owed point? me a grand and a half. It was like two paychecks or something. Yep. So I did the legal thing. I sent an email to like the head manager saying, hey, uh, this is the money that's owed to me. I have all of my receipts from all of my clockouts saying when I worked. Because here's a fun thing, listener. Uh, always keep your receipts. Always fucking keep your receipts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every job you have, you want to clock every minute you work. So I had two and a half, or no, I worked there a year and a half. I had a year and a half's worth of clockout receipts <laughs> noting every minute that I worked here. And so when I went to the labor board, I was I presented them physical evidence. Like here's every minute that I worked here. And I brought them everything. Uh Greg showed up to that 
trial in front of the labor board. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. So I don't think most people understand what the labor board is. What's the deal with the labor board? This is actually important for we're we're, we're joking our way through this, but this is important yeah, for you. Guys. I, I think this is actually valuable information for anybody, like especially freelancers, to understand. So what's the labor board? The labor board is supposed to protect workers from getting fucked over. Uh, workers who are getting unpaid uh, overtime or getting not paid like minimum wage and shit yeah. like that. Yep. So I go. What's do you remember what the website was? I mean, it's going to be different for every state. Yeah, but for the state of California, it was like L.A. Labor Board or some shit like that. You could probably Google. I mean, yeah, y'all could Google it as long as there's like a .gov .org. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably safe. Yeah. .net. I don't know if you should trust that. <laughs> okay, so you Geocities, go, uh, so you go okay. to the labor board, you report. Yeah, I, I report the occurrence. I have all of my fucking evidence. I have screenshots of my text message from Greg. I've transcribed the voicemail and offered to play it, which, and it was very funny, at the the confrontation he's like that's not real <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> he said well, it was ten years before fucking deep fakes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but i mean it was sort of open and shut because greg there offered to just pay me what i was owed but i was like nah motherfucker i'm going all in i'm i want the fucking liquidation i want the late fee penalties because here's what Everybody should know is when someone is late paying you that every day after that, they owe you an, an additional day's pay. And that goes for 30 days. Really? Okay. So oh, hold, hold, hold on. So they're late paying you. So you don't get paid within the payment cycle of your job. Yes. Right. And you've contacted them. You've presented yeah, your print, case. I've printed out my emails to the labor board saying, hey, I asked for the payment. Yep. I said, this is what you're going to owe me if you don't pay me. And they ignored me. And so then every day that they don't pay you after you've gone through the process of doing that. They owe you more They money. owe you a day's pay for up to 30 days. Yes. Wow. And then there's like all this other shit that I don't quite understand, but I have to do a whole lot of fucking homework on my own because again no lawyers it's just me and good old google <laughs> so continue what uh, happens what happens so here's the good thing and the bad thing about the labor board is so i won my case obviously this guy owes you all this fucking money but the labor board can't do anything about it. So all I have is a record saying, this guy owes me this much money and I can't do shit about it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, what do I do after that? Okay, well now I need to make it a more legal thing. So now I have to go to small claims court. Oh my God. <laughs> and then... So Greg didn't even show up for that one because I think his lawyer told him you're fucked, dude. Well, let's 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 talk for a second here about small claims court because as soon as anybody hears small claims court, they go legal fees. This is completely out of my range. Now you're still doing like low buck work at this point. How are you even dealing with small claims court? Like, why would you even tackle that? Because it's gonna the fees and shit will just outweigh what you're getting paid. 
No, uh, I'll, I'll say it's, it's not. I did have to pay a bunch of fees. Uh, I haven't done all the math. I, I, maybe I lost a grand. Mm-hmm. But from the grand and a half that I was originally owed, that the total ended up being like five grand. Oh. So that's why I went all in and I didn't accept his initial peace offering. Because <laughs> like, if you want to be a fucking cunt to me, I'm going to be a cunt back. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, so then you go through the process of going to small claims court. He doesn't show up to small claims court. And I already have my fucking uh declaration or whatever from the labor board saying hey this guy presented all the evidence he, he's he owed this money he's owed this money and then, so i presented all the same evidence and when the other guy doesn't show i mean it's 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 a winning case <laughs> but but then you're in the situation again where he doesn't show so how do you get your fucking money so uh here here's a, an extra step and it also costs money so I go, once the small claims court goes, you, you won, here you go, you're right. Then you go to the sheriff's department. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, you, have, you have multiple choices of how you want to grab this money. <laughs> if it's a business, I think it's easier. Uh, if, if it's an individual, it might be more complicated. But in this instance, uh, what I chose was uh, I put a keeper on the till. And so what that means is someone from the sheriff's department goes into the business <laughs> and goes, all right, guys, no credit card transactions today. We're only doing cash. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I'm taking all the cash with me in a big old money bag, and I'm going to present it to... The guy you owe it to. Oh my! And I'll come God. in here yes. every day yes. until he uh, is cool. paid back. Now, in our modern day society of currency exchanges, we're not doing a whole lot of cash. Yeah, no one has cash, especially in East Hollywood. There's not a lot of cash transactions going on. It's all credit card. And so, I was persuaded to use this method because. Oftentimes, business owners will go, oh, 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 no, 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 sir, sir, here's all the fucking money. Get the fuck out of my store. Wow, dude. Now, before that officially happened, someone from the sheriff's department went into the Oaks Gourmet Incorporated with my thing saying that I won something against the Oaks Gourmet LLC. And because that did not match the name on the business name, they had to turn away. So then I had to have oh my god, oh dude, my fucking god. the the judgment amended. Oh I had to apply god. for that, and that costs money too. Well, well, okay, 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 okay. So how long has this been at this point? Almost five years. Jesus. God, okay. Damn. Continue. Continue. I mean. This also has to do with me like pulling my hair out and just not getting to. Is things. that what happened to it? I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're gonna include a picture of my hairline That's the thumbnail. in the notes of this That's episode. 
this is how I lost my hair officially. Uh, just like trying to work regular jobs and trying to pay rent. And then also in my free time, my little hobby is going to the <laughs> LA court system. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So then you had to go back. You had to have the name changed, the company name changed in order yeah. for them to go in. And so then what did they, so what did they send a guy? What did they send a guy down to his business? that day so no uh someone from the sheriff's department went initially to retrieve that money and they have to go they have to match the name of the business to the name that's like on their license yeah and because that didn't match exactly they had to turn away so then i i go back to the la courts i go please sir please (laughs) (laughs) it's the same business i swear just it's slightly different they operate under two different names pseudonyms so then they they granted me that easily. So then I sent the sheriff's department back. <laughs> and it, it for whatever reason, it took much longer for them to get back to me the second time. I think it's just a matter of like which police officer wants to take that gig yeah. for the day. <laughs> yeah, that- Who would? Because it's like a $300 deposit for that. But... But the cool thing about that is they add that on to what is owed. So, so you get that out. money back. So it's not coming out of what, what you're going to get paid. Yeah. Okay. So that, so that was a good So this poor asshole thing. owes you five grand plus all the costs for the... So after I got the judgment amended, months and months later, <laughs> someone from the sheriff's department office calls me and she's like, sir, uh... I got some good news for you, and uh, I want to put you on speakerphone. <laughs> and uh, we were able to send an officer in, and uh, the business owner immediately paid it. And it's very funny that she said that to me because she she knows like she is like the radio DJ that giving away thousands <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> like she's used to people going, "Oh my god, yeah, kiss one away, the, the best radio station in the country." <laughs> And I'm not like a high energy guy, but I'm just like, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you know, you, all, all my friends say all cops are bastards, but not me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> not me. I believed in you guys from the get go. Thank you to everyone at the sheriff's department. I believed in you the whole time. Oh my fucking God, dude. <laughs> so what did you walk away with? I walked away with about five grand. So he owed you a thousand. He owes me, he owed me like a thousand and a half. And you spent how many years five years so you made you made a (laughs) it's an investment uh well that's not a huge return either way for five years (laughs) i don't know man that's a great fucking that's a great i didn't measure the hours spent on like learning the law look look, we all anybody listening to the show that has ever worked in freelance has been fucked over for sure anybody's been fucked over and what happens is is you feel helpless especially if you're working with a larger business and in our business whether you're talking about uh, a, a, a scumbag producer that runs his own production company or if you're talking about some of the largest studios that exist they work on fear tactics and they work on bullying and their move is like well we'll sick our fucking lawyers on you and so when you told me the story the other day i was like jesus christ no lawyer you did all the research yourself you stuck with it 
and the game played out for you the way it's supposed to play out for you. So I would tell all the listeners, like, use those fear tactics back. Like, once you learn what the laws are, yeah, you might be able to work those in your favor. Like, <laughs> get to know your local labor board. Yeah. Uh, learn your, I, dude, th- your this, laws. This is such an important thing because... On a daily basis, we're bullied. Yeah. As freelancers and as people that work in this industry, we're bullied on a daily basis because so many of us that, that decide to get into this business are trying to learn as we do it. And so we're going through the process of asking our friends, like, how do you do this? How do I fill out my paperwork? Is this the right paperwork? Have I done my overtime sheets correctly? You don't fucking know. And so when it comes down to getting paid, I don't know how many times I just dealt with this today. On a, I'm not going to be in too specific, but today I have been doing work for a client that is releasing work that has not fucking paid me. And so like there hits a point where you go, I am not releasing any other footage until I get fucking paid. You cannot be making money on this content and I'm not making money on it. I probably shouldn't be saying this, but uh, I believe Jarvis and his buddy Tim Dennison shot a Kill Switch Engage live performance, and Roadrunner wanted all of the footage and didn't want to pay them. Uh, so Tim just sent it over watermarked, and they just never gave the money that they had Yeah, you them. have to be very careful. If you're going to do anything in our business, here's what I suggest to you. From my experience, if you have any sort of contract with anybody, make sure that you get a signed contract. If you can't get a signed contract, get a signed working agreement. Get a working agreement that is agreed through over email. And then if you're going to charge money for anything that you're going to do, especially if you're going to front any kind of money, uh, get at least 50% up front. I've always meant to ask you about kill fees because I've heard about kill fees. I've never charged one myself. Kill fees I've are gotten tough. fucked over. Kill fees are tough. Kill fees are tough because I don't know if there's any. I'm cracking another one. Don't quote me on this, but I don't know if there's any logist. I don't know if there's any sort of legal standing that you can do with a kill fee. (laughs) I think if you're in a specific union, I think if there's some sort of specific thing that 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 comes with it because there's agreement made with a specific union, potentially. But kill fees, kill fees. I've only used as a scare tactic. I have talk to clients and been like, if you don't pay me, I'm charging you 20% every fucking month that I don't get paid on this stuff. But that really doesn't work out because then they'll call you bluff and you got to go through the process of dealing with that. The move is... It's such a standoff. (laughs) It really is. And if you're working as a crew member, it's harder for you because you can't get your cash up front. Whenever I'm doing stuff, I'm doing it as a producer. And my notion consistently these days is 75% up front. So I usually ask for 75% upfront and then you can pay me the last 25% as I deliver. So if I'm going to do any project, the entirety of the expenses need to be handed to me before I get started. That's why if you work on one of my jobs, I will write you a check the day of the shoot to get it out of my bank account. But that's the only way to protect yourself. Now, that being said, you work with clients that you have longstanding relationships with there's a wiggle room. You can play the game. But the thing that drives me fucking insane 
is that when you're dealing with giant corporate companies, and I've had companies that have a net 90, where you go, oh yeah, go fuck yourself. Warner Music fucking took their time paying me for a doc net I shot Net 90. Yeah. And you sit there and you go, all right, so you guys are just taking the funds that you have and, and putting them in your bank account, earning interest on those funds mm -hmm. in that amount of time. Right. That's the game. So you're earning interest on this shit. And then when you talk to people, I just had the conversation today. I'm not going to be specific about it. So what I used to do for Harvard, and I'll call Harvard out on it. Harvard's one of those big institutions that would play games with you. And they'd say, hey, we're going to do net 60. So that means after you do your job, you have to wait 60 fucking days after you submit your invoice to get paid on your stuff. And if you're a freelancer, you're check to check. Mm -hmm. right and even worse if you're a shooter freelancer and they've they've convinced you to rent the gear you put that gear on your fucking credit card so you're paying interest on that credit Fuck. card after 30 Jesus. days yeah and they're going to pay you net 90 right so let's be real about this on here it's, it's fucking three months of interest exactly yeah. of interest that you're paying on this not to mention taxes and everything else and so my move was this Typically, what I find that when you deal with corporate companies, there is an internal sort of structure that happens within that corporation. And it's usually peacocking that happens within specific job positions. So they have what they call a controller, someone that literally is taking your information, your tax information, the invoice information, the job information, entering it into a computer, and then administering a check or administering direct deposit. That's their fucking gig. And that's all they do all day long is they sit there and they have all these vendors come in and so they do this shit and so ooh, that's a monster <laughs> the demons up and so what happens is is they go ah, i need 30 days i need 60 days right because they have to go through their slow ass fucking process of entering in numbers and being important self-important in these companies well, when you deal with the internal producers or the people that are your contacts, they generally don't like to give them a hassle. They generally don't like to go through the process of having to contact the controller because the controller's like, your job's not important. It's 60 days, net 90 days. So there's an internal fight that has to happen. So if you can't leverage yourself early on into the, the deal process where you say, I need, I need 50 to 75 up front, the producers will say to you, well, that's not the way our shit works. And you go, do you want to hire me? Yes, I need that. I am not going to front anything on this fucking job. You're going to pay for all of the freelancers and all the costs on it. You'll get kickback. They'll go, well, you should feel honored that we're coming to you and that we've awarded you with this job. And you go, hey, answer this question. If you hired a fucking plumber tomorrow to install a new toilet in your bathroom, would he do it for free? No. <laughs> How so, lucky you are to install so this toilet this for fucking me. Toilet. <laughs> yeah. So then what you say, you stay fucking firm and you say to them, I need this money now. And the longer you wait, the more we have to push your shoot date, the longer it's going to be for you to make something happen. Now that's if you're in control of the production. I found myself as just a freelancer with Harvard. So what I did is I contacted my contact at Harvard and I said to him, dude, I need this fucking money. And he went, dude, this is a system. I can't do anything. And I said to him, give me the number of the controller. 
take me to your leader. So what, <laughs> what happens at that point is that you're now a voice behind the email. So I called the controller up and I said, here's the deal. Every day you don't pay me, I'm going to come into your office and eat your lunch because I can't afford my own lunch. <laughs> so pack a good lunch because I'm coming in to eat your lunch every day. And I know your address. How's your wife's cooking? And I know where you are. I got my check the next day. The next Fuck yeah. day. <laughs> there, you go. there you fucking go. And so just remember, these people will bully you. As freelancers, that's their gig. And they're not terrible people. These are nine to fivers. These are people that I get become friends with. I have beers with. They go out and they don't understand how we exist. They sit there and go, <laughs> how do you exist as a freelancer? You have all this time in your hands. My life is miserable. I'm in an office writing checks all fucking day. Build up the romance of what your fucking life is. Make good friends with that person that's in the office writing checks. And you will always get your checks on time. Do not let these companies fucking bully you. That's funny. Uh, I'm working as a middle manager right now at an office, and I know that I am the most valuable employee, but they were fucking stalling on giving me any sort of a raise. So I threatened. I was like, hey, I'm ready to give my notice very, very soon unless there's some fucking motion happening on these uh, promotions that they were promising right. fucking four holding months ago you. yeah holding over you and then the next week all of a sudden uh, i got a three dollar raise oh nice but that's still not what i wanted because i wanted like a full promotion <laughs> i got a raise but i didn't get a promotion you have unleashed the beast and so my boss's boss who i've been emailing and has been fucking ignoring me i i've been feeding like brain worms into people that can speak to her about, well, Brett would be good for this position for blah, blah, blah. Uh, so basically, never give up, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, just remember that you have to be clever and you have to be creative. And here's the thing. The fear is this. The fear that every freelancer has is that if I buck the system, if I go against this guy, I'm never going to get hired again. They're never going to bring me back in. They're never going to do anything. But you have to remember that only in our business is this allowed. If you are hiring someone to lay tiles in your bathroom, if you are hiring someone to do anything outside of our business, they would demand money. They would demand to be paid and there would be upfront payment that happens with everything. So be smart about how you fucking uh, engage with your stuff and don't be a dickhead. I'm not encouraging you to be an asshole with these people. I'm just encouraging you to be confident and to be uh, uh yeah not everybody needs to go to www.shitexpress.com <laughs> to anonymously exactly, send exactly. your choice of animal shit to whoever is late on payment but <laughs> you can be polite but also what you're saying about like being afraid to not get hired again i mean if they're not if they're fucking around with the money and, and treating you like shit you don't want to work with them again anyway i know but there's a sense you of know. death i mean when you're you when you're young and you're in this yeah. game yeah right you get your first couple of gigs right you fear that word will get out that you're difficult to work with exactly. what's that old there's that old uh what's that old saying there's people who there's people who sue and there's people who work mm. yep. and if you sue then oh, i never heard before oh, like that yeah 
Like well, no, I mean it's not a good thing. I mean, it's not good. I, it's something said to like intimidate, phrase, though. intimidate people who who aren't paid, or who are who are fucked over that at some like point in the process. The suits would say. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's that's the like. Suits. I wish I could remember who said that. But, but that, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the purpose of the unions originally before the yeah. unions got fucking mm. greedy. Yeah. Like, oh my God. that was the purpose of all that kind of stuff initially. And, you know, I think it's great. That's why I wanted you to talk about it, Brett. Because I think it's great that we're talking about it on the show because it's not a dangerous thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. This is, it's nice to hear that you went through all that legwork and you were just like, nope. And you walked away with five fucking grand on it. Yeah, I want everybody listening to this to know that you can fight for the money that you fucking worked for and maybe a little late fee. Yeah. <laughs> and liquidation. No, but, it's, but it's legit, man. And and I think the biggest fear, and we're, we're hitting our cap, we're at two hours. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but I think the biggest fear that a lot of people have in this business sort of circulates, revolves around the imposter syndrome. Which is like, I don't deserve to be here. Mm. I don't think I've done enough to, to, to ask for that kind of money. And you have to remember that just you, if you're, if you're responsible, if you show up, if you're there, you deserve to be paid for your time. Mm. And oftentimes in our industry, we'll hear about <laughs> with the fucking $50 a day. You'll hear about people that are getting paid less than it costs to go work at a fast food fucking restaurant. Yeah, I could have been fucking picking fruit or something. Yeah. <laughs> for more money. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So be smart about it. Be confident about it. And mm. honestly, talk about it. And I think it's important that you shared your story. Talk to your friends about it. If you guys go through a thing, let us take the control back as workers, as freelancers from these companies. And I'm not saying that all these companies are, uh, you know, maleficent, that they're fucking <laughs> evil about shit. Most of the time, the person that you're interacting with at these companies is someone that is underpaid on a fucking salary gig. And they're just like, I don't want to deal with the bullshit. And mm. so you just have to crack that code yourself yeah. and push your way through it. It's, it's great to hear because like I'm, I'm i've been on jobs as PA where like it takes fucking forever to get paid right now i'm waiting and getting dodged by a producer to get paid so even hearing this i'm like oh so at a certain point like i can be patient now but at a certain point there is something that i can do like i wouldn't yeah. have known this prior to this conversation like it's helpful to know that if back against the wall that i have something yep. in my power to get the money i mowed you know, I would like to think that we would never, it wouldn't get to that point, but it's, it's helpful to know that there is an option. Yeah. It's, it's something I, I have a, I've got a similar, I mean, I, I won't know yet, but like the way that the way that I'm hopefully going to make most of the money on, on the feature is I have percentage points in my contract uh -huh. and, but we all know how Hollywood accounting works sure. and it's, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure. There's a sudden, you know, $4 million worth of advertising. Yeah. And, and it's TikTok it's, advertising. I mean, it's you know, I, I I trust everybody who I who I worked with on this thing, but it is in the back of my mind. I'm like, is something going to happen? You know what I mean? I, I just think there's like there's a level of uncertainty to that for for everybody who's not at the top level in this industry. Dude, even dude, even the people at the top level, the the stories of George Miller. Oh yeah, George Miller and Mad Max, and his recent Mad Max Fury Road. And the legal battles that he had to go through to get fucking paid on that movie. What? Yeah. Yes. Do the research online. Oh, my God. I'm not going to quote yeah. any of it because I don't know I'll, it for... I'll look it up on my own Yeah, terms. but read about it. Read about the insanity. He was in the process, 
I think you're pitching another movie to Warner Brothers and then walk down the hall into their legal department to fight for the rest of the money on. That is a exactly. beloved movie, Fury Road. Yeah, yeah and it made it, and it made a shitload of money. You know, yeah. like didn't they sweep at the Oscars? It was like eleven nominations or something. Yeah, Dude, like how do you not pay the well, guy who directed that it, fucking movie? It's like what's the? It's like it's like you look at all the exam. It's it's funny how it goes both ways too, because I think like uh, you know like the Empire Strikes Back famously they claimed it wasn't profitable, and I think it was like the highest grossing movie of all time when it came out. But then the flip side of that is there was this. I just read about this. This Matthew McConaughey movie, I think it was McConaughey, called Sahara. Do you guys yeah. know this movie? Yeah. Yes. It, it, yes. Under, it underperformed at the box office. It, it, it grossed less than its budget, but they claimed it was profitable. Like, they claimed that, like, through Hollywood accounting that it actually wound up being... Pro- so it can go both ways. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how the fuck you even, like... I don't know how you fuck the math up or fudge the math that much. Uh, it's know. called lying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, I, I always remind myself of this because... Whenever I think of Hollywood, I'm thinking of, well, when I used to think of Hollywood, I was thinking of it through the eyes of like a 15-year-old, mm. where it's like, these are, the, these are the giant institutions that create the movies that I love. And these are the, the, the places where dreams come true. You can come here and you can do this stuff. <laughs> but when you actually think about it, why was Hollywood made? It was a bunch of dudes that stole the patent and ran from fucking New York and ran as far as they could and as close as they could to the Mexican border yeah. to, the water <laughs> to set this shit up. Yeah. And so when you think about it, I was just watching Mank the other day. Oh, it's such a good movie. Such a great movie. Such if you guys haven't movie. seen it yet, it's on Netflix. Mank is directed by David Fincher and it's about the writer of uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, Herman Mankiewicz. Yeah, and the movie's about getting rights uh, ultimately for for yeah. his work. Yeah, and there's this great scene in there with the uh, the CEO or the the owner of uh, MGM, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And he comes out, and it was uh, during a tough time, and he comes out on stage in front of all of his workers, his gaffers, his grips. Mm. And he stands in front of everybody and he goes, guys, it's tough. It's a tough time right now. I need to ask you to cut your rates and to yeah. cut your paychecks and to cut all your stuff. And goes, we'll stand with you. We'll stand with you. And they buy his bullshit. And he steps off stage and he's like, do you believe it? Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a great scene. Great movie. Just remember that, man. Like... And, and I can't help but feel that as we live in a time period where people are trying so hard, it's like the aftermath of the dot-com bubble, where people are looking for the fastest way to make cash. And for quite some time, it was Silicon Valley, and it was like, what kind of app am I going to make? What kind of bullshit am I going to sell? It was the real estate game. What kind of bullshit am I going to sell to steal this money from people? And I even feel that to a certain extent with my genre, which is horror, where people are like, we'll do it as cheap as fucking possible. We're going to cap the budget as cheap as we possibly can. You're a first-time filmmaker. We're going to give you some bullshit fucking rate based upon some bullshit budget. And we're going to fucking make 75% in the box office. And you're like, fuck you. More than that. $2 million budget, $3 million budget, $450 million fucking return. 
And then you got to go back home and go, all right, let me go do some commercials, some other shit, because I didn't make enough. Right. And then you have to thank them <laughs> yeah. because you're in a position where you're like, oh, oh my God, I'm, thank you so much for having this opportunity. Yeah. And then your second movie, you're, you're like, all right, I need more money. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart, you're making a franchise or sequel kind of material where they need mm-hmm. you, where you can come back at the back end and go, all right, you only paid me minimum for a director is 150000 So you pay me 150000 for that mm-hmm. year before taxes. Before my agent takes 10, before my manager takes 10, before my lawyer takes five. And I'm going to be working mm. on this thing for a year and a half. And so the second round uh, at bat, you're just like, can this at least be a million dollar takeaway? That's why I feel like in the negotiation process, you got to be sharp, man. Like in the beginning, like I, I remember he- reading this thing where uh, with for Hugh Jackman, when he signed on to do Wolverine, it was supposed to be another guy. The other guy couldn't do it. And he was the next choice. And they wanted him to sign up for a few movies. And his agent was like, nah. He's like, well, why the fuck not? Why wouldn't I? Like, I'm the I'm the hot guy in Australia, but like this is what we this is the goal. It's like go to La La Land, do the big fucking franchise. He's like, nah, one movie. They're gonna do more. We'll talk then. And so the first movie, first movie goes great. And wanna do another one. And he's like, Well, yeah, of course. He's like, I have asked for more money now. Yeah. And there was even a thing a friend of mine told me uh, that in law school they actually study uh, Hugh Jackman's contract. Because wow. he put a he put a thing in his contract where, I th- I don't know if I think it was like after the first movie after it succeeded so well after his Wolverine was responded to so well that going forward no one could use Wolverine unless it was him, Whoa. Oh. or or if he gave permission for somebody else to play Wolverine, Whoa. and they agreed. So. Everyone's like, oh my God, Hugh Jackman's played Wolverine so many times. I'm like, it's because no one else is fucking allowed to. Yeah, it why. has to be, an, or he has to say yes to them doing it for all fucking that's, time throughout the known universe. Like, unless he says yes. That's so funny because no I'm, one else can I'm do so it. annoyed that he's reprising the role for Deadpool 3. <laughs> yes, I want yes. someone else you to play it. You know what's so interesting about that? That makes sense now because there was, this is really fucking nerdy. There was, an Xbox, there was an Xbox 360 game. Uh, made of Wolverine Origins. Wolverine Origins was like a PG-13 movie. Yep. Yes. Yeah. The Xbox 360 game is like a hard M. Like, like yeah, it was a, there's, yeah. there's swearing, the there's game disemboweling. The is better than the movie. <laughs> and fucking Hugh Jackman is the voice of yep. Wolverine in that game. Yep. I guess because he fucking wanted to be. Yeah. But I think <laughs> also maybe because no. it's like connected to the movie in a way where it's right. like, it's not like you're getting like Ultimate Alliance where it's right. like, ah, this is just like more the comic book based thing. This is more movie related. Still me. It's you can still use my him. likeness. Yeah, that's me. So I got to do it. But that's so and you got to pay me. All right, all right. So I, I think we're gonna wrap this up. But I, I, I want to make this point. I think a lot of people listening would go, "Well, you know, what an asshole for fucking doing that." You have to remember. You have to remember how much money, how much money is made from mm-hmm. the corporation that mm-hmm. is Fox at that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. How many how many fucking Hugh Jack Wolverine action figures are there? I mean, yeah. and, and dude, his likeliness mm-hmm. is the source of that. Mm-hmm. And you know what's you know what's wild? In the comic books, Wolverine is now a foot taller. I feel like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. yes, because of it. <laughs> yeah, and and I think what's interesting, what's happening now. I bring this back. Okay, so I bring this back to years ago when I was shooting pinup sets for suicide girls so years and years ago suicide girls was a website and they did this pinup stuff 
And I started to do sets for them because they had super celebrities, musicians that were members of that website. It was a great way for me to get music videos was going through that process. And I remember I talked to the owner of that website, which they claimed was a woman, but there was a guy behind it. I talked to the guy that was running that website. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, like, look, what I'd like to do for you is only do four or five sets total. And I want to do the biggest sets you've ever done. I want to do the most epic sets. And he goes, okay. And I said to him, uh, and what I'd like to do is do what Playboy and what all these other magazines used to do. Take these uh, girls, take these models and make them larger than life. Turn them into these larger than life characters and actually build these big sets with them. And he cut me off and he goes, ah, not into that. And I go, what do you mean you're not into that? He goes, because it's not about the girls. It's about the logo. Mm. It's all about the logo. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what a dick. That mentality, I think, comes from the Silicon Valley shit. That mentality comes from that world to now. You fast forward to today. Suicide Girls. Suicide Girls is a known franchise, even today. Yeah, but Suicide <laughs> Girls might as well be Netflix. Might as well be any of these other streamers. It might as well be MySpace. It's logos. And so all that these companies give a shit about is brand awareness, brand logo awareness. And so they got to a point with actors now, and you've read this online, where there are no actors that are running Hollywood anymore. Mm -hmm. You've got these actors that act in these giant tentpole superhero movies. And just because they're in that movie, it's not their name that's making the money. It's the character that's playing that's making Mm -hmm. the money. That. Uh, I this is like a whole nother can of worms, but this is my argument. Why is Disney Marvel even bothering pulling big names to play characters anymore yeah, when people are going to go see a Marvel movie no right. matter who is playing the fucking character? Right. I, I yeah. think that they, no may, they may transition into that, but I think that that's how they got started. But, but I think they I think they kind of already have. I mean, like, and, and part of it's like, a, I think there's an initiative to have more diverse casts, but it's like, who knows who, I'm going to fuck his name up, Simu Liu, was before Shang Chi, yeah. right? Like nobody. It's not like he was That's a true. fucking huge get, right? True. Right. And, and what's her name? Who's the new Black Panther? Who the fuck knew who she oh, was? Letitia oh, Letitia Wright. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who the fuck yeah. knew who she the was? Anti vaxxer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I mean, dude, of course they're gonna work that way because it'll be cheaper and they don't have to pay the kind of money that they had to pay for mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. But they needed that sort of lineup to get people to go to the fucking theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the, that they're milking the multiverse for that fucking reason. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> milking the multiverse. <laughs> fucking multiverse. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's... that's I mean, I get... We got to cut this off. But yeah. I, I, this is two episodes, I think. I get to a certain point. I get to a certain point with uh, comic book movies where I go, Jesus fucking Christ. But then I remember who Marvel was as a fucking publisher... Mm-hmm. And I remember all the games that they would play where they would put characters on covers that weren't even the fucking books. They still do that shit. Yeah. And then they they would do team up episodes. My favorite episodes of Sp- or issues of Spider-Man was like Hulk and Punisher and like the layout on the fucking mm-hmm. panels that they would do. I mean, how many books have Wolverine on the fucking cover? Suppose I, I read something recently where I think it was, I don't know if it was Supreme Court or what it was. Uh, they had passed a law where 
movie companies could, like they could no longer put things in the trailer that was misleading to the audience. I yeah, I read that. Yeah, that so like, there's you get like uh, what is it? The End Game or no 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 uh, Infinity War and they have the Hulk in the trailer. But the Hulk's not actually in the movie ever, or outside of like the opening. And they're like, yeah, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, and misleading. I like, Ooh, now I want now I'm curious to see like how do you do this? Like, well, but the reality is like just get better with the fucking trailers. Don't give us the whole movie. Like, I, I think I think what'll happen is there'll there'll probably just be an additional disclaimer in front of the trailers. I, I have my friend who's a lawyer. Imagine. Like we were talking about this. He's like, there's ways around this because yeah. it's also like. It all depends on like I mean if you consider a, if you consider a trailer to be purely an advertisement and not its own work which I guess audiences do but if you if you throw Fair that point. disclaimer may not represent the final product legally you're probably safe. It's like when you look at like footage of like a new game and they go Yeah. Yep. Uh, this is gameplay not final. Not gameplay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you go. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, fuck it. Yeah, but no I'm one... still going to buy the game if I'm fucking with yeah. this enough. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we should wrap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you don't want to get into that. We so. should wrap this because this is such a rabbit hole that you just uncovered. Um, it's been fun, dudes. Like, talk about a fucking crazy episode with no yeah, planning. Yeah. Episodes, yeah. maybe. I don't know. This was a blast. <laughs> yeah. Two scoop Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, you guys lucked out for free. I didn't even charge you, bro. I didn't like your movie. <laughs> oh yeah, how much did it cost you? Uh, but yeah, at Doom Scroll, we charge you. You want as much information. Uh, you mean you charged you? No, we're, for, <laughs> the time we're this comes out, we're, we're still charging. We'll, when, we'll charge when, for two more when, episodes. When did you have yeah. last episode? Uh, um, what do you got left? The twenty is it on the last day of the month? I mean, I mean, the last one will come out at the beginning of at March. the beginning of March. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, yeah, but it's gonna be a fucking solid episode. It's gonna be. Yeah, we might go like character it. arc. Yeah, yeah, we've we we got a whole thing stuff. planned. Third act. Which, by the way, when the fuck you doing episode 200? Oh, I know. I know. You know when I... <laughs> I just cued the music out. You, wh- Talk right. over the music. All right. So the reason why I haven't done... Stay back <laughs> the, the reason why I haven't done episode 200 yet was that we were going to do a bar safari episode where I was going to rent a vehicle and go on a ride and do the whole ordeal. Brett's mouth this is wide open. This was my idea. Open. I was going to rig you guys up with lavaliers. Yeah. So we're going to do it. The reason I have been postponing it is because I've been trying to be healthier. I've been trying not to go okay. out and get fucking all right. hammered all the time and do shit. Mike, drink the a beer, you fucking asshole. But like I'm getting... All right, you guys. All right. Mike all right. on salads, and uh, then we can do it. All right, all right. Whatever. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Uh, as always, I'll be back on Tuesday with some new content. And uh, yeah, you're welcome for this surprise episode. Love you guys. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>